0: So hi everyone, this is Allison in Philly and Cliff in Seattle, and uh, we're coming together just to kind of have a little bit of a a, a closeout conversation on an experience we've had a, the last couple of days, uh, and it involved um, the, sort of how communities operate in the Substack platform, and you know part of the our conversation that we're going to have is is talking about this particular incident, and yet we're doing it not to point fingers per se at the people involved but really to sort of examine uh, the dynamics of what happened and how this applies to the research that you know we've been doing uh, since the fall really in terms of the like prediction and simulation modeling and the cybernetic steering of consciousness uh, towards group mind, really uh, this idea of the ant computer, and um, central to this actually is probably that the character in the background is the Substack platform. <laughs> um, and so, uh, Cliff, do you want to maybe say a little bit about how we sort of embarked on this odyssey of the past couple of days?
1: Sure, I am. Um... I had subscribed to Substack and got a list of authors uh, or bloggers, whatever they're called, writers, um, that I was just kind of watching their conversations, just interested in their points of view, um, not so much as a fan. Um, And then trying to find my way into like this new social media platform for me, Substack, how does it operate? What's it like? And there were similarities between it and other platforms. Um, And... After a while, it felt really kind of odd. Um, and each time I would visit there, I was mostly just kind of watching the dynamics of the community interaction with the author, and really noticing how the authors uh, interacted with their um, uh, tribes that you know that came to see them, and they were all a little bit different. But and and some things were the same. Some just were non-responsive. They would just put up their posts and they didn't interact with the community. And so those communities functioned a little bit differently. Um, on the one that I was watching, I checked in on the other day. Uh, Celia Barber, I think it is. Um, hers hers interacts. Uh, she's interactive with her community after she posts, um, but in very specific ways. Um, and so I I noticed that she uses the like button like a, it's like a little sugar drop or like an apple giving it to a student, you know she she likes uh, uh, comments and I noticed there was kind of categories of what she likes I and mean, it's it's different for each one, but I but I did It's notice a signal too, would,
0: like that would be sort of yeah, considered like a, a signal. signal,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's a little sugar drop, like oh thank you, and when when you do that when you use the like button in that way when the author uses the like button in that way people have a tendency to try to shape themselves to get that little heart not only is it a like button but it's it, it's in the shape of a little heart as if it's about love
0: <laughs> right. digital right. love right well and the thing this is life like life. those those existed yeah. like i mean you know i was on facebook for a while and so you know that exists but it's a little bit of a different dynamic right because it's it's a it's a not i mean you can have places and and uh, certainly pages where people are moderators or admins or at the top but it's a little less hierarchical i think in, i got the sense from my various brief stay what that that the the substack format was definitely uh, sort of the core the person who the content creator and then everyone else and and there was a certain dynamic in that that's a little bit different from like say twitter or um, like the community building it was built around um, the, the content creator specifically on a regular basis. Yeah. It was the same content creator.
1: Yeah. Like a little pyramid, the content creator. So you weren't on Facebook looking at a bunch of stuff by a bunch of people. You were on someone's sub stack yeah. and they're at the pinnacle of the little pyramid and they shape the tone and they do the moderation. You're just really dealing with one person. So I don't know, maybe it gives people a sense that I'm, I'm like kind of more one-on-one with the author. Um, on a bigger platform, trying to get the attention of the person who made the post, I don't know, unless you're a friend of theirs or somebody they regularly talk to, they don't just in general chat with everybody. And, and so, so it's, it's, it's very much a pinnacle and the writer is at the top of it. But there's a lot of effort being made by the community to get noticed by the, uh, by the writer. Um, you could just see it's very ingratiating. There's a lot of kind of fawning there's certainly a lot of like, oh my God, I love what you just said. You know, so they'll, they'll whether it's Charles Eisenstein or Celia Farber, somebody else, they do their post. And the first grouping is always the, the petting crowd. <laughs> oh my gosh, can't believe that is so, it's like you pulled from my mind exactly where my heart is in this matter. You're such an amazing human being. And I'm not being facetious. I mean, they really <laughs> just like, they just like coach you and sugar and honey and oh my gosh, <laughs> and, and meaning. Like it was so meaningful to me. It, today, it was exactly what I needed to hear. So that so after a while- And we then, this is
0: like across to... several different platforms, right? Like you, this was yeah. sort of a pattern, well, yeah. yeah.
1: But, but it's a little more directed. Like there's only one person on the massage table, right? And the whole crowd is just like trying to throw their little flowers on top of them. And, and so it's a little bit more like- super focused on the author himself. So you learn to kind of just pass those by. And in those, they never mention or say much or add anything of substance about whatever the content of the post was about. They don't offer an opposing view. So it's like the first rush is by the ones that, you know, they just want to fan you while you're sitting in your chair, and bring you grapes, and you know, it's it's very kind of like that. And then there are a few contradictory opinions but that start with a little bit of petting like oh great post really think you know i'm looking at it a little bit differently uh, uh i see this and that and in their writing they're kind of hoping to get noticed for expanding on the conversation a little bit like I'd, I'd like to just add this little piece and sometimes the writer will acknowledge that right and so they 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 get kind of on a track like oh let me really read her stuff and see if i can fill it in a little bit because she really liked, you know, she put a heart on my last thing. And so it's just watching the dynamics of, of group interaction. And on Substack, it's very much about like a queen bee or, or, you know, king and everybody is. So it's, it's like watching courtiers, right. And at, okay. at, at a palace, you know, that, that, how they, they're careful, how they dress, they're careful, how they approach. They're very, they're very careful and formal and, when they're wanting to gain the favor of the queen the monarch the who it's it's just got that look and feel and so you try to pass through all of that stuff and look for somebody that's asks an interesting question based on the actual material and that's a much smaller category and you were looking so for those
0: people cuz that's the thing you were yeah, kind of so interested was, in yeah i was looking like...
1: for like well and also looking to notice when somebody does actually add a substantive comment that has a good question in it that's insightful how does how does the author then treat that? And often it's ignored. You don't get Because it's competition,
0: heart. right? I guess it's like that I'm the one who's in like, charge of the ideas, not you. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then there's then there's a group of people who come on and like like dump, like, oh my God. And they go everywhere with everything. And they don't get liked either. So, you know, <laughs> it's like so the crowd watching notices a person approach the throne. They dumped everything about 5G Kim trail, rah, rah, rah. They just went off in every direction and she didn't even look. at Everybody's like, that's, it. <laughs> that's not how you get her attention. And I, I don't mean to make it. Or
0: his, things. like it could be either, you know, the creator's attention. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah the-, the creator's yeah. attention. Yeah. Sorry. It, it's not, this is not a focus on Syria, but because I looked at a bunch of these sub stacks and it's just really interesting, the dynamics and, you know, um, And then you watch to see how does the writer do when they're challenged, right? Um, And uh, how do they respond when challenged on their own? Because there's very much a sense of ownership of the stack, right? It's very very different. Substack, it's like, it's my place. So there's sometimes there's a, like a, how dare you from the queen challenge me in my own house.
0: Go make this your own sub stack. If you want to have a conversation, that's not yeah, what they yeah. say. Have you start your own sub stack. <laughs> build your own kingdom. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about like, how dare you in the, in the kingdom speak that way to the queen, start your own sub stack. You should start your own, go do your own thing.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't mean to like purposely make it into some kind of joke. But when you just try to like just be there as an intelligent person, eyes open, and notice the dynamics, it's hard not to fit it into these simple-minded categories where, you know, there's a person that, you know, like so wind up describing like the monarch or the queen on the throne, because it feels very much like that, like trying to find a descriptive way to say what it's like to be in those rooms. And also, if if you say something that is uh, counter to whatever the writer has said uh, before. Often they won't uh, interact with you, but their uh, courtiers will just come rushing up, like you know, like their little ant army will just come attacking you. Like you see, he said something bad about the writer. Well, that is
0: and, the and social they... insects. See, because that's yeah. why that's what occurred to me this morning. So, do, do we have a second just to provide a little bit of context, some of the specifics? So, uh, day before yesterday, you sent me a text. And you're like, "Hey, did you know? Like, your your clip showed up on the Substack, a, a clip that you made a while back, and you know, yeah. by name, you by name were identified in this thing. And um, yeah, you were maybe scrolling through, and it's just like, oh, how surprising! Because usually my research doesn't really make it out that
1: far." <laughs> yeah exactly exactly
0: yeah but it, it wasn't particularly complimentary per se it wasn't like oh I found this really interesting clip let's talk about it
1: though no it was casting you uh as uh it was casting you in a poor light it was like somebody went back uh not even the writer the writer of the the Substack, stack Celia Farber made a post out of one of her commenters on another uh, of her posts, one of her commenters said something and she turned that into her next post. So she elevated a commentator to like, we're gonna raise you up and you and your, what you said and what you pointed out, because I think it's important and I'm, I wanna address this too, but you said it. So let's lead with what you said and what she said about you wasn't true. So it wasn't flattering and it wasn't interested in your research and her comment Uh, was not only inaccurate, but it had nothing to do with the substance of the video clip that they showed, like nothing to do with it.
0: Well, and just for background. So when I when I went to look and see what the clip was, it was it's 11 minutes taken from when Jason and I sort of did the deconstruction of the greater reset. Uh, three, I think it was. And, you know, we did a really, I think we did like eight hours of analysis on that event. And we went through all the various people who uh, participated. And this was after, you know, what we had you know, express, I had expressed concern about Derek Rose and his position around <clears throat> digital child labor and child sovereignty. And so all of the people had been alerted that this was sort of a concern and I was going to be talking about it and they could let me know if they didn't agree with that. And there were quite a number of the big players, um, you know, and nobody really got back to me saying they had a problem with it. And, and one of so then I went through and I, I just did sort of profiles of all the people who were part of that event. And, uh, there were a number of people, uh, Tess Lowry, like pushing the early treatment ivermectin stuff. And RFK junior was, I think a remote speaker, but he was presented as part of that agenda. So during the course of, uh, laying this all out, I had done some interesting research because my, my frame has been around, uh, innovative finance, right? These, the way in which technology, these Web3 technologies are being merged with the financial sector um, and and used in new ways. And so I was really surprised to find that they were using pay for success finance towards quote unquote repurposed drugs. So creating revenue streams off of drugs that didn't have a profit-making option, uh, you know, vitamins or things that were off patent or whatever that you couldn't make a lot of money on, but they they were creating new ways of packaging them to to generate funds. And and actually there were quite a few of those things that would fall into that category that would qualify as quote-unquote COVID early treatment things. And that early treatment protocol was a, a central feature of RFK Jr.'s Fauci book. And so there was a the the beginning of this book opens with this idea that there was a mismanaged pandemic which is the title of chapter 1 or mismanaging a pandemic I think is the title and then sort of launches right into ivermectin and hydrochloroquine, you know and, and many pages on but there's a it's you know pretty much an infomercial for those things the first you know quarter of the book and so they're very central to his his thought process there was a pandemic and that it was mismanaged and that you need these drugs Well, it just so happens that the person who's busy packaging up these innovative new finance opportunities is Steve Kirsch, who is a billionaire who is, you know, has a background in tech and also digital identity, and uh, he's setting up these whole new systems of repurposed drugs. Um, And then later, about a year later, there actually came a, a video from Protocol Labs, which is one of these firms we're looking at, you know, promoting blockchain for repurposed drugs and pay for success. So there's a lot bubbling up, and I get that it's um, it's not a soundbite. It's a little complicated. Um, people might not understand what the point is because there's a whole cohort of people who've been trained to think that the doctors in these white coats with these drugs are the ones that I'm on their team and I will do what they say. So it's, it's just hard to get people focused. And so for me, this 11-minute clip was... Um, Ended up, I think it's going to be quite significant because as it turns out, you know, a year later, RFK Jr. is announcing his run for the presidency and who but Steve Kirsch, the billionaire, is creating a PAC to back that campaign, right? And so there is an intertwining between uh, this, uh, the campaign and how it will be framed and in the background, these, these drugs and these technologies and a lot, a lot of money. And it all hinges on the idea that, there was a pandemic and it was mismanaged. And with these right drugs that we've decided are the better ones, it will be managed better the next time. And I think we can have a broad debate as to whether or not that is, um, like we agree with all those things. (laughs) You know, there there might be people who don't agree that there was a pandemic. There might be people who don't wanna take those drugs. There might be people who, you know, there's a lot of different framing, um, but that was packed into this this 11-minute clip, and it's become more timely a year later because of this presidential run and who is backing it. Um, and and so, uh, but that went over the heads of everyone uh, because you, you alerted me to it, and I thought, well, okay, I'll create an account because you have to have an account to comment and, and try to uh, I actually wrote a short blog post that laid out my perspective and I said, Hey, this is me being talked about. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I, this, would you like to be hear My, my side of things, this is sort of, you know, would you like to talk about the issues that I raise in the clip? And, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So just a, a, a little bit background. So when I saw the clip of yours that they posted, uh, uh, on, on when she elevated the commenter's comment to become its own post and put it out there, what that commenter said about that clip had nothing to do with anything that was on the clip. What it framed that whole clip as and put words in your mouth that you didn't say was, the framing was, here's this researcher calling JFK controlled opposition. Oh, RFK Jr. Right. Oh, sorry. Sorry. RFK Jr. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. John yeah, Kennedy yeah. Uh, calling RFK Jr. controlled opposition, uh, so it didn't say anything about this really interesting uh, uh, topic-worthy uh, conversation that you were having, um, and so that like a, like a baited hook. It was a dog whistle, I think. Yeah, like or a dog whistle. Yeah, like you called it a dog whistle, uh, and so that's how it got dropped onto uh, Celia's blog. She posted it in that way. I'm representing this comment of something worthy of talking about, not the content of the clip, but the interpretation by the commenter that what it was, was you calling out RFK's controlled opposition, which just wasn't true. That's not what it was at all. But that is what Celia was there to address, right? Because she's polishing the image of r f k yeah, and she's currently in favor uh, of r f k and he's running for president, and she wanted to come up and you know like you said before, they probably had to search pretty far and wide for some <laughs> analysis of r f k that was unflattering, and if they yeah. were going to like i think you said it like if they were going to clean those unflattering remarks uh you know off the internet in preparation for his presidential campaign um But it was all based on a false premise and and it wasn't based at all on the content of what you had to say. And so that's how it and it was never
0: remedied. So so the the reality was was, so so the the post was made and uh, the inaccurate, the I call it a mischaracterization because I think that's very ah, accurate. It was a and. Realistically speaking, now now I put the responsibility also on the side of the readers because there there is an obligation really that we should be active readers when we're engaging in content. And they could have watched the video and realized, oh, that's not at all what it's about. Like it's about something else. Maybe I don't understand what that thing is. Maybe I should ask some questions or ask for clarification.
1: Yeah, but going back to what I said before, that's not the function that I see of this community For that writer, it's an affirming, like free thinking. It's an affirming function. It's a defensive function. It's an attempt to gain favor function. The community. So,
0: see, and I didn't know any of this. Like, I mean, I I, I, maybe if I had thought about it initially, but I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go in and make it clear what's really happening. And I didn't know the whole culture, like how it was structured, and that really it's structured like these social insects that I've been researching. Like that, which yes. dawned on me as I got into it on the second day. Which bizarrely, the woman doubled down after absenting herself and not answering any of my very reasonable follow-ups and you know questions and things. She she just disappeared and said she was too afraid to look. I'm too afraid to look at those comments. They said it's Lord of the Flies, which at the same time, um, she knew what she was doing when she started that. And and it's interesting because Cliff, you have said in the past that this idea of uplifting a comment into a post is kind of a technique of growing. Well, one, you can kind of make an, a quickie blog post and get more commenting without a lot of work, which honestly, if you look at this, is it was quite a schlocky um dashed off. It was not a particularly thoughtful post. Um, But two, it's a way of like, it's a currency, almost like an internal currency among the affiliates.
1: Yeah, you're an important writer, right? And you've a whole group there that's trying to get your attention. They're very defensive of you personally. They're fawning on you personally. They rarely challenge you. They rarely do any research of their own. They're just there to kind of shore up you and you come along and mischaracterize someone and tr- and make it an issue of someone calling JFK controlled opposition. That sets them all in motion. So and when once they're in motion, that's why they didn't actually go watch the clip. Like, yeah. the, why were they not conscious of the content of the clip? Because they didn't go watch it. What set them in motion was her disdain for anyone calling uh, RFK controlled opposition and and she took like a completely fantasized premise that wasn't happening at all right but that's how she set her her people in motion then she distanced herself from it didn't interact you showed up and and were polite and straightforward and said hey i think i'm being mischaracterized here uh, uh let's just go back to the clip and, and talk about that a little bit and nobody would do it with you no nobody would engage with you. and there you were
0: hundreds of comments hundreds hundreds, hundreds.
1: Yeah. Later, later on, she said that this was the most commented blog post she had ever written, right? But it was only because you had the uh, you you had the determination to go in there and try to direct people away from this false premise that you had called him controlled opposition, and actually get them to pay attention to something really important. And your motivation for trying to get them back to the content of the clip was to be helpful. Yeah. Because it is actually like you feel it's actually helpful to pay attention to, to the information that you are providing. Not to be right about it, but because it might be very helpful in looking at this thing. Right. So and you were persistent about it. And not a single person in her community left the ranks of like, you're the person Celia doesn't like. I don't like you. And then it turned into a child. Well, there were one
0: thing. or two people who, 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 in good faith yeah. engaged. Uh, maybe in yeah, like the oh yeah, second sorry, day. Sorry, but yeah, but I, the, I the majority. I yeah. some
1: on the second. Yeah, I, I did find some on the second day. But they, you know, but it's it's really hard to find. And when I did find them, I was like, oh, there they are. So there were one or two, but nobody in the crowd of her community was ever willing to slow down for a minute and go, oh, this post is about you. You're here now. And you're available (laughs) oh and you want to talk about the actual content of the clip like you're not even making a big deal about you know like you said it once or twice i'm not i I don't use the word controlled opposition but i'd really like to talk about the clip it's really interesting it might be helpful and no one would engage you on that right although a few people like you say did come to your defense hey wait a minute she's a brilliant researcher but it just got lost in this overflowing defensiveness. Of and that was like the self.
0: pheromone, I think. I mean, and, yeah. and that's that's what I'm realizing when I'm doing this research. And I think in that way, this is a real learning opportunity for me because it was like, it's one thing to research something and, and make the maps and, and talk about it. It's another thing to literally be thrust into it, right? And then to try to navigate what this is. And it really took me until the second day to realize, wow, this is swarm intelligence. Like this is a, a, exactly. a, a stigmergic steering. This is this is literally the embodiment of what I've been researching. And yet these individuals, um, and, and I won't say, you know, my experience was within one particular community. I, I imagine that might happen in others. Sorry, we've been having a little bit technical difficulty um, if it seems choppy here and there. But um, yeah, so I was just saying that this was like an opportunity, perhaps uh, unanticipated and not necessarily pleasant, but an opportunity to actually see on the ground how this stigmergic system worked. Um, and, and to see it in action, to see the, the attempts to convey, um, or oh, not even convey information, but to even open up a dialogue, a channel of communication with um, a community that seemed actually immobilized somehow. Um, through social conditioning or digital frequency or something, they they seem to simply only be able to pursue one kind of task um, and not deviate from that, which I just in retrospect, it felt really it, it was unsettling to me, not not so much. You know, I I'll admit that I was sort of stressed, stressed and frustrated at the situation, but. It was also like I have concerns for society if if this is how we have conditioned um, behavior acceptable behaviors moving forward and these are the people who identify themselves as being in um you know liberty and independence or free thinking or or whatever that that it's their their worldview has shrunk such that their um their capacity is not that they're dumb they it wasn't that it wasn't that they didn't have the intellectual chops to to listen or to engage but it was that literally something had been shut off in them and, and a couple times I, I, you know, I incorporated into my comments and I, I didn't mean it in a, in a sharp way, but I said, I'm, I'm here to remind you that there's a human being attached to the other end of these posts. Like this is, there's me, it's me. I'm a human. I'm not a overdosed red pill person, or I'm not, you know, someone you can't put words in my mouth. I'm, I'm real. And I'm here to remind you of your humanity. Like, you know, someone, because often they would just riff off on like, well, let me just tell you what I think about red pill people or let me tell you what I think about people who use this term. And I'm like, no, 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 this is about me. This is about me specifically. And so I'm showing up to point this out. This is not just some abstract concept. This is something that is being done to a particular person for a particular purpose, which appeared to be political, like some sort of political advancement of this person's preferred candidate. Um, So I'm here to ask, to remind you of, your humanity and my humanity and our, how we proceed together, because that supposedly when all of this went down, what we were struggling for was to retain that. That was, that was the whole thing, right? We were struggling to retain our humanity in the face of a terrible oppressive force. And yet somehow, um, a lot of people have been invited into stories that, that, um, feel disabling it feel they feel disempowering actually like you, you, the, your agency and your power is only in so much as you are um a piece of a structure which is actually the entire opposite of what the resistance talks about they're so concerned about collectivism right they're so concerned about that losing their identity and yet i saw it with my own eyes that they had it has already happened now i'm not saying they can't reclaim it but it it, it was just it was really um like it hurt my heart to see it, not just that I was angry or frustrated with them, but it, it hurt me to understand like, how do we move out of this space? And I think we can, there must be some way to do it, but um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and not, not knowing what it was and stepping into it. Like, you know, I I invited you to have a look and you stepped in and there's a bit of like, not quite knowing what this is, not being able to feel the edges of it. Like a couple of days later, we can see it more clearly. And with your background in the ant computer and stigmergy and pheromones and uh, psychological uh, management, uh, narrative management, we've been able to step back and go, wow, this is this is actually an example of exactly what I've been pointing to. But it was unexpected that that's what it would turn out to be. So it was confusing. It's like, yeah. oh, I thought I was on a resistance, open, let's have good dialogue platform about Ideas that might shake things up, and it turns out, no, you're not on that at all. Right. You're in the house of this particular lord, and her followers, or it could be her or anybody, but their, their followers have been trained uh, to respond like, kind of like attack dogs. And and you know, part of what you said about humanity was like, hey, look, I know you've been trained to take a defensive posture and shoot vitriol and and, and harshness like a bullet in a gun, you've been fired, but hey, this, I'm, I'm a real person. Like at the end of your bullet is not just like uh, somebody petting you for having completed your task. Well, there's an actual real person out here, right? And you're aiming all of this at me and, you know, hello, my name is Allison. And and you're not talking to me. You're not addressing the contents of my clip. You were all, you were all just like shot out of a slingshot behind a false idea and you're not like aware enough to check your own behavior. Like you're so focused on the reward you're gonna get for playing your part. And all of that feels very much like an active simulation yeah. in the way that it's been designed. Well,
0: you know, and it so, was strange and, because I mean, for the most part on the first day, people weren't aggressive. Um, th- there were one or two comments. And, and so what I did was I went through and there were you know already 150 comments. And a lot of them honestly were sort of Uh, sidebar conversations related to governance or something, the politics, the legitimacy or so of that. And so I didn't really weigh in on that because that really wasn't what I was interested in talking about. But the things that actually were looking relevant to the clip are relevant to me, are relative to like this idea of taking swipes of people who use the term controlled op. Like I I would ask some questions and I I didn't ask the same question over and over. Like I, I tried to personalize it, but at the foundational aspect, I said, listen, you know, do you think there was a pandemic? Do you believe that what we experienced was a pandemic? Like, I think that's an important first question because that's what this clip is about. All of this falls from the idea that there was, and therefore these things must happen. Um, And that's an important distinction. Uh, And and you can come to that, you, you can consider that outside the context of RFK Jr., right? That's a thing for you to decide internally in your own internal compass. And then once you do, then there's two, a divergent road, right? There's the yes, I think there was, and there's no, I think there wasn't. And then if you're on the the no, then your RFK Jr. isn't going to be on the road go, that road because as as far as I know, he's he's written his book saying that there was, and he would manage it better. Now, now the challenge within this particular narrative is that it was rather confused, but it seemed that the um, that Celia was trying to take a position that. Something had come to, into his awareness rather late, I must say, about Event 201 and the simulations, and therefore somehow he didn't think there was a pandemic. Now, we ask repeatedly over the course of a couple of days, like, did okay, did, do you have something in writing, like publicly, like a speech or written that he's changed his position? Because that's the framing of his book, um, and she- literally,
1: she, <laughs> yeah. Literally, it's the primary chapter in his book, so it's fair to say OK, if you're saying he's grown and that's not his position, can you at least point us to where he exhibits that in a talk or a conversation or in writing? Right. And no because one that could.
0: would be a big thing if you've built written the best selling yeah. novel that's really shaped the contours of the quote unquote resistance. And then foundationally, you've changed your position and you're a presidential candidate. Yeah, you kind of need to come clean about like where you are now, not through a secondhand source, but through your own, like that's what a leadership role is, right? You admit things and then you you make it clear to people, but none of this was clear. It was very Alice in through the looking glass kind of un, unclear. Um, yeah, and, 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 and then and secondly, and I just want and then I'll, I'll pause, but is please. falling from that is this idea. Okay, so say he did, right? And you're out there looking for the proof, you know, to confirm that what is his position with respect to the drugs, (laughs) right? Because that was the other focus of my clip was, what is this relationship to these emerging technologies and finance and Kirsch and the drugs? So if if he has changed his position, is he still embracing ivermectin? Is he still embracing these regimes? Because that also matters. And these were very basic points of clarification that seemed to be wrapped up in what the, the author was trying to prove or but it was so convoluted; it never got resolved because initially she was stonewalling, and then when she did lay it out again, she and I, I provided a you know a very reasonable response and asked for clarification. She again did not respond, so the confusion was part of the program. Like I think that the confusion, and it, I mentioned that to you earlier. I said it felt like we were in an absurdist play. It, it was Absolutely. like absurd. There, there, you couldn't actually. Um, make a reasonable argument because it was like you were in a hall of mirrors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So and, um, what was it? I was going to say the, um, so par- part of her argument, uh, just uh, details part of her argument seemed to be that because he had investigated, uh, event 201, and because he is who he is, a brilliant guy, he went way beyond Event 201. She's talking about activities. Right. And he investigated, he found tons more CIA setups like Event 201, and he, and he just called them out. He knew them, he knew the people by name. And he called, and therefore, that's the proof that he's no longer standing behind this primary supposition that you know there was a pandemic that was badly managed. Right. That was her proof that he no longer held that point of view. But she inferred it. She was inferring it. She was inferring it. But that's like that that didn't make a lot of sense. And then, you know, uh, maybe just say this now, you know, energetically, you come into a room and you notice there's a pot of tea warming on the stove. There's some flowers in a vase on the table. The room is clean. It's not overdone. There are comfortable places to sit. You know, you get a feel for the room. It, it, you know, and, and different rooms are different. You come into some households and they've got, you know, four kids, right? <laughs> so toys everywhere, dishes aren't done. You know, it's just you get a feel for the room. So in coming into this, it was very confusing because the feeling in the room, on the site, in the community was actually really harsh and, and dissonant and, and uh, threatening and uh, 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 mean-spirited. And well, I would the say the, the first was, day
0: because you got you came in later. The first yeah, day, what, also, what I realized because it, it sort of evolved because she again I got had the treat of being her focus of her attention over three different posts <laughs> or four, maybe yeah. I don't know. Um, so yeah. yeah, so the first day really most people didn't engage, they simply didn't respond. There were people who would like posts or hard yeah. things, but um handful of response um nobody again engaging in the actual content but a few and then i would sort by the newest first because it's hard to navigate especially when there's like 300 comments what's what just to see if if new things would come and then i realized that it by the next morning there weren't any new things and so i was like oh and then i happened to look at the next day's, you know, that day's substack. And guess what? Then I was on it again. Only the today's st- stance was that she had pulled a comment from someone and said, oh, look, this person is abysmally red-pilled, overdosed. They just hate everything. They don't trust anyone. Which if, if again, yeah. it's so clear that she doesn't know me and the person who made the comment doesn't know me. And, you know, so I liberally sprinkled my John, sprinkled my John Coltrane dandelion Easter post. And I'm like, nope, that's not me. Like you might imagine that that's me or try to put this layer on me that is again, a mis misinterpretation of me, but that's not me. And, um, but that first day it was the silence. And what I didn't know until you explained to me the dynamics of how these platforms work is they were probably all like, who let her in? She's, she's not one of us. Like, uh, I, I, if I say something, everyone's going to look at me and know that I engaged. Right. That and, yep. and, and, and then and then and then what will that do to my place in the pecking order? Right. So I either have to be aggressive, you know, and, and again, there there were one or two people who were on the other side, uh, like three, I think, totally. <laughs> and Plus you, Cliff. But for the most part, it was very much like, oh, I don't know what to do. Who let those people in the room? But I hadn't done anything bad. So they couldn't like necessarily say, oh, I'm kicking you out. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna p- put you up and you know misrepresent you and then kick you out of the room. So they just silenced it and then pivoted into the next phase. And then that in that phase, she engaged a little bit more, Celia. Uh, but again, the framing was, I'm so afraid to look at the comments. They tell me they're terrible. And then people were like, Oh, oh, we well, you know, you shouldn't because we really care for your health and your well-being. And so I would say for her, she's an archetype. And her archetype is, um, you know, the fragile, right? The fragile leader, the one everyone, but they know that she's weak. And so they need to be strong for her, right? It is is, is that archetype. And to me, that is a terrible codependency. Like, I, I mean, it, it seems bad for both parties to have this dynamic going on, but it's, it's, it doesn't seem healthy. And part of what I've been trying to say for people is, you know, I'm not here to be a queen or an influencer or whatever. I'd like for I'd like to have collaborators. I'd like to have groups of people who have curious minds and want to turn over rocks and hold things different directions and piece things together. And that that wasn't that room. That it wasn't that room. Well,
1: it's, it's it's interesting because it's confusing because you come into it thinking, oh, let's have a conversation, but it's unwelcome. Like, wait, I thought this was a place of conversation. But in fact, it's like it's that's why it's like we've been trying to describe it in visual terms. It's actually a kind of a play. It's kind of an absurdist play. (laughs) What's really important is how you play your role in the space. The content is not the primary importance. Your personal research, not that important. We've got the leader to do it's their research we're talking about. So so it's it's your movement as a member of the community that's important not actual content critical thinking any of those things and you thought it was a place i thought it was a place we'd go to have good conversation but it's a spectacle but it's not it's a spectacle and people are it's like a role playing spectacle yeah. so you have to figure out like what's what's the role that advances you in this absurdist Play Uh, so, and then all you have to do is go back to the top and notice. Well, the first group of kids—they're all like, "I brought you an apple. You're so great. My favorite teacher. Can't believe that article you wrote." And you're like, and so you start examining them again, not to not like it's an accurate description. You just go in and check, like, what are the roles that people are establishing, and then how do people in different roles get treated? But it's confusing because it's a kind of absurdist play, a kind of a an expression of this simulation, modeling uh, this uh, character driven, you know, like uh, everything that you've been talking about. Right. I mean, it was
0: just it actually in retrospect, like once I got over and, you know, this has happened to me before I've had these challenges in these digital realms. So I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting better at navigating it. And, um, but, yeah in retrospect i was like this is an example of all the things this is this is a case a perfect case study of all of it and um you know often you talk about story right being invited into a story and and then once you get into the story you inhabit a role and then that reaffirms and and so what i want to say is uh, within this substack the creation uh it was started in 2017, and the guy was Canadian at the University of Waterloo. And it, what what came out of that, like in that milieu of Waterloo, Ontario, it's the tech a tech center for Canada in quantum computing. Uh, important Perimeter Institute of Theoretical Physics, uh, the the Soros-funded uh, Center for International Government Innovation is there. And then the people who kicked me off the last webinar, this Tamarack Institute, they, they were also there. Um, so there's a lot going on in Waterloo, Ontario, and the idea that the substack is somehow connected in the, that dynamic we know about the sentient world simulation, you know, at Purdue, we, that's that sort of, but we, we can't imagine there's only one. And so if, if you were going to pick a place to create a digital sandbox for people, it would be, it could be something that looks like a Substack, right? And, and, and the thing that I haven't had a chance to talk about yet, and I want to um, thank Jason for, he did a, a really nice uh, uh, video a few weeks ago on this idea of pre-bunking, so this is what hit me this morning. I was like, I've been pre-bunked, <laughs> right? And we all know about debunking, right? So debunking is, that you know, this is misinformation, but that's the word they give it. Essentially, it's reality management. It's consensus reality management. It's cognitive domain management. This is right thought management. Um, and And so they're saying it's not effective enough to allow information that is inconsistent with the reality you're trying to create to creep in. And if it creeps in and then you have to retroactively go and slap the wrist and, and, and shred it around and get, get rid of it, that is uh, not as not as good as if you can, um, pr- that's a debunk as if you do it after. But a pre-bunk is to uh, introduce in small doses uh, information that you identify as problematic now they would call this m- misinformation but anything that you want people to reject um, from their worldview you introduce a little bit at a time like 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 a you know a digital jab a little bit at a time and then over time people learn to be resistant to that thing. Right, And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what happened to me in this experience was that she used my clip, which is going to be problematic if people come to an understanding of this frame, not just around Steve Kirsch, but the idea that Children's Health Defense has affiliated scientists who are working on the creation of personalized vaccinomics. Uh, And that came from a presentation uh, by Children's Health, hosted by Children's Health Defense in December of 2021, I think, with Liz Mumford. And she literally says, It's not one size fits all. We're doing personalized. Look, you, you, you have personal, like precision cancer care. This is what we need next, right? And, and who, what is another big voice in the space, right? In the, the, the uh, anointed leaders of the Camelot golden era of better managed pandemics <clears throat> then Malone. So if you are going to have someone legitimize uh, a stable of trusted doctors to hand you a personalized uh, therapeutic, it would be someone like him, right? And so you've got, you can kind of see it coming out of the woodwork, um, how these various pieces are going to come together. And yet you need to be able to have this to, to exist in plain sight and that people can't see it. Like, we have to get to the point. It's, it, they used to do those psychological experiments where they said, you know, pay very close attention to the basketball players and are like, how many times do they bounce the ball or pass the ball? And, and you look, and then at the end they go, oh, did you not notice the guy in the gorilla outfit walking through the basketball court? And you didn't, because you were so focused on this other thing. And so they put it right out in plain view of what it actually is. But if they can tell you a story and captivate your attention while the thing is happening right in front of you, you'll miss it. And and then that that's just psychological uh, research. They they the army the military very 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 good at that. And so so yeah. So they have to neutralize things like my little eleven minute clip, me Alison McDowell at the kitchen table, because wow, if somebody actually started to notice the gorilla walking across the basketball court and ask some questions, that could be a problem, <laughs> right? If the next phase is, don't worry, the better managed pandemic involves some personalized pharmaceuticals, but we've got we've got it covered because our people are great. Like our frontline people are the people. They've got the regimen, and so trust us. And that's been groomed for the past three years. I mean, I think we, we can all admit, we can all see how that's happened. Now, you know, people can still choose to align with that worldview i'm not saying that they're not entitled to make that choice but what i'm saying is unless you look pull it back understand the simulation understand the psychological cognitive management understand the impact finance and the tokens and all the stuff that's embedded in this substack, i don't know that you're going to make an informed choice about it um so i don't
1: know yeah and so yeah no brilliant (laughs) so really, really brilliant so in other words capturing people's attention focusing it in, in a particular area to debunk or to pre-bunk right in order to prep them for this obvious thing is going to be happening right out in the open but you're not going to notice it because we've trained you to attend to this right and and so so literally how 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 a writer interacts with their community on Substack is a kind of a training they're they're training their commenters and those that, that subscribe to them, how to interact with their particular sub stack. And, and, and really training them on what to focus on. And, and getting a lot of uh, agreement from their commenters to inhabit these roles. Yeah. So that you can then just kind of poke them and they go. Right, then And it, yeah. they, off they run. Because because it's about...
0: Uh, it's a they're, signal. They're, they're you making, give them a signal. Yeah, yeah. You give them a signal and they yeah. do the the, the, the behavior.
1: Okay. One of them, I won't do it right now, but one of them is coming back around to this idea of looking around the labyrinth. Okay. Right? That in these spaces, you're not encouraged to look around, but look at the walls yeah. and look at the floor and what who built the sky and what's going on here. There's no encouragement to do that. You're tightly focused on the, the bead of sweat on the queen's brow. Oh, let me get her a tissue, right? <laughs> so your attention is focused on the likes and dislikes The attitude and and the uh, contentions of the writer it really pulls together so that your audience is like an audience in a film they're sitting still and watching the star, the writer, right? But it's like
0: participatory theater a little bit too, yeah. Because like you're watching, but then it's like snap, okay, then do your role.
1: But then, but if you start looking around the labyrinth, you notice you're in a theater. You like, oh, I'm in a theater. Oh, and everybody's doing, every, all the seats are facing the same direction. And we're all watching this one story. Oh, and sh- it's got a hero uh, named RFK and it's got a defender named so-and-so. And the goal here is to forgive them for any past mistakes and just brush over it like it wasn't that important because there's so much good that they can do. Like, so pay attention with everybody. But notice you're in a theater <laughs> being told a story about a hero. And anything
0: a Camelot hero, no less. I mean, yes. if you were gonna if, if yes. they and people are like, yes. but he's done and I'm like, Yes, do you not think that the simulation modeling would understand the psychic situation of the American public and what the Kennedy family means? Like that they wouldn't have that all yes. identified in advance? This is not a n it's a no brainer.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not a new thing. And we have a, so but it's funny because like in, in the theater that was that substack, you you were discouraged from looking into his history the hero's history that might have been out of accord with where we are now you know so uh, people focused on his uh attitude toward climate deniers and his attitude toward the environment and that was that was unwelcome and it was obvious that it was unwelcome because it was ignored it was never liked or addressed you know and, and then But it was persistent, so then it had to be addressed. So at some point, the writer comes in and says, oh, I I really didn't know about that. But had it be about that she didn't know about that, so we don't have to talk about that right now. Like, give me time, I'll look into it, because this is about me. I didn't know about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, what an admission. I'm just saying, oh, gosh, I didn't know about that. Like, the inference being, I'll look into it and get back to you on that. Or literally saying, I'm going to look into that. I didn't know about it. But like you're be a good th- theater, so don't press me on it now. <laughs> and then the few people that did press, she wouldn't engage with them. So it's 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 really like paying attention to the dynamics of what's happening right where you're sitting. Yeah, you know, like this is looking around the labyrinth, not some world at a distance. Like imagining I'm on a progressive website, listening to a, a progressive alternative writer. I, I, I'm, I'm in this group, you know. Pay attention that you are in this very specific theater. It has purposes. It's designed a certain way. It's teaching behavior. you're learning it from how others are behaving. like look where you are yeah. and, and, and and open questions are not really welcome here. You notice because people ask them and they don't get answered. Yeah, you can tell when people just get ignored and what so what gets attention and what gets ignored in this absurd theater that you're in? And then it begins to dawn on you. Oh, there are rules, and there's ways that people play, and there's ways that people advance. Like I'm in some kind of game. Yeah, it is and a game. I, you know, yeah. like yeah, like a, well, or, 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 or a role-playing game. And if you want to ha- inhabit a greater role, if you want to be a commenter whose comment gets wanted by the writer and lifted up to the post, what kind of a comment did she make? Oh, she made one calling this researcher. Oh, she uplifted that. Right. So, you know, so there's all this attention to being uplifted by the ones in in front. And right now, there's like uh, RFK is out there, and there's all this attention from these influencers focusing on him, polishing him, aiming toward him, bringing their audiences. So, like, these writers are literally aiming their audiences at the beauty of and the possibility and the hope of RFK. The golden age. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, And so, and as they do that, they're discouraging conversation that's unflattering. They're not parting. I can't even I don't even yeah. know how you make one. <laughs> they're not they're not loving your conversation. They're ignoring you if you persist. And 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 if you just like don't play the game, they'll delete you and kick you out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, Ta-da! Like, <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, she loved you, i kick you out. Yeah. So, so I want, I want to. Because it's
0: yeah. private property, Cliff. Like, that's the thing. It's yeah. a private property option. And I will, I just want to insert quickly uh, yeah. someone named Freakus, uh, I can't remember if I said this already, but was talking about like the tokenization, this idea of mm-hmm. income sharing agreements with writers. And that ultimately, yeah. this idea of tokens, which Chris Best was involved with tokenization and mobile apps prior to Substack. If he is, what happens if in these roles that people are playing, not only do they get hearts, but they maybe they get tokens, right? Maybe it becomes an income opportunity. And then you've got uh, content creators who are on some connected blockchain ledger to Substack. And then they have these income yeah. sharing agreements. And so they're they're steered into certain narratives. And then the uh, audience is steered into supporting those certain narratives. And then all of it is run on these token signals. So initially the hearts and likes are the signal, and then it gets replaced by certain kinds of value tokens that can be exchanged for things. But what the AI wants next is to drive the the content creators, the creativity, the soulfulness of artists and writers into a digital wall garden, where it can be observed in a petri dish or a sandbox by the machine. And not only the creator, but how we engage with culture, how we perform. So we're literally in this theater, we're performing for the machine, we're performing for the outside-in robot. The theater itself is the outside-in robot. And so it's critical that the creative economy gets pulled into these kinds of sub-stack arrangements, not just so that it's some alternative revenue stream for artists, but so that the engagement levels that you've been talking about and laid out so clearly can be put into the machine learning. Like what, what culture do you like? What culture do you not like? That, that is this next phase of, of the AI development is that, you know, that builds off of the DALI and the chat GPT and all of this is, is the creation, is putting your soul and creativity into that, not just adults, I think, but eventually children. And that's probably what the Roblox stuff is, is built to do.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm saying this is not a resistance space. This is this is a curated. They space.
0: identify themselves that way. They brand yeah. themselves. Well, yeah, well,
1: yeah. They, they 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 label themselves that way. But but in fact, it, it's a petri dish for a reward system uh, where your behavior with your audience and your ability to shape them and lead them is rewarded, and that they're they're rewarded. So I mean, you know tokens. For the participants and money for the writers, like pulling them in uh, particular directions that the larger system finds useful. You could say, you know, you speak to it much better than I do. But it, but it's it's also you know looking. And they like
0: variety. Bit. I just want to emphasize yeah. that. So this yeah. idea of branding is—they don't mind resistance as long as it's in the sandbox and it has some good metadata tags. They're, they like that. They're interested in what the resistance is doing
1: yeah it, it's it's actually it, i've been learning it from you but it's hard for people to imagine it, it, that this thing wants all aspects of culture that the it, the, res, the quote labeled resistance culture has as much value for for being in a petri dish so the outside in robot can learn it as does any other yeah. side of it it's it's not like the the quote resistance movement is a problem for ai
0: so welcome back folks we actually uh the, we this is a continuation of our earlier conversation we're sandwiching it together because uh, we had some technical difficulties and time constraints but there were a few more things that we wanted to talk about not to you know continue to stir the pot because that's not the intention of this but really to um reflect because i think when you sometimes you learn more from situations that are uh unexpected or don't work out the way you think they are, then things that where everything just goes smoothly, right? And so if you can, I think, take time to reflect on that and see what the takeaway is. Um, And so what we're hoping to do is to, like in this reflection, think about some of the larger group dynamics. And while yesterday we talked about some of the particulars because there's important context there regarding Perhaps the, the connections between what happened in this substack, uh, the Celia Farber, the truth barrier substack, and uh, the presidential candidacy of RFQ Jr. So, that in and of itself was an important context. But it's not what we're not here to say about individuals, really, to point fingers at individuals per se. It's really more about looking at the structures that are about. Um, how we interrelate with each other socially and that how that is being changed in social media spaces with very clear intention by like military interests, behavioral psychology, military interests in ways that we're not aware of. And we don't understand the game and we've walked into this thing and we don't understand what it is. And we just act as though it's reality. And um, we're being steered through social cues that we're not fully appreciating of and, you know, when i jumped onto the substack the first day with some comments i kept saying like hi there's a person attached to these comments that are making and it's me and i have some thoughts and um and it was very interesting how there was this intentional disconnect of me as a person and this concept of me as a target in in the space right and i sort of showed up to say like no, this is a really weird environment that we're in. If we were all in a room talking, it, it wouldn't be rolling, rolling this way. And like, let's pause and sort of reconnect and be grounded in ourselves and our humanity, because that's um, when we're on autopilot. That's that's where we head. So um, anyway, so I'm 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 here with Cliff. Before we get started, I do want to say, um, and I'm not. I don't want to channel the like, oh, I'm I'm a you know people come and protect me or anything like that. That's not where I'm going with this, but it is hard to do this level of research, this intensity, and then wonder if, uh, it's valued by people, right? If it's, if, if, you know, you, it's the dandelions going out into the world and, 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 and you, and you don't know where they're going to land, right? You don't know how many are going to, you know, grow new dandelions or whatever, but, um, I do want to just t- have an expression of thanks, and these were sent in the mail long before the 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 Substack situation happened. But my, my friend Eileen sent me these lovely uh, dandelions that she picked for me, and so like there are people who get it, you know, who are getting it, even though in this particular audience, they were sort of mesmerized and they couldn't get it. But anyway, so thank you. I just want to take a minute to thank Eileen. And she evidently uh, dried these on a low temperature in her oven so that when they arrived to me that they wouldn't be all um, glommed up. (laughs) So that was really nice. And then all, and and she gave me some other things too, like, uh, uh, like the teasel, she goes on walks and then she collects things for me in different places. So, so yes, so the message is getting out. And then the other person on the very same day, it was amazing. I don't know if you remember Cliff uh, Krista from Utah, when we, um, we met up when we were in Moab and we did a little interview in front of those big rocks with the crack in it. Oh yeah. 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 And so she, she sent me a lovely uh, dandelion, uh, cloth here and suggested about using it when i when i go out as like a base for a portable uh altar or setting these intentions which so i just i want to express that even though sometimes I know I show up and I'm like, oh, nobody's getting it. People wake up, wake up. You know, but there are. Like I I need to know that that there really are and, and I wanna just open with a, a sense of gratitude, not in opposition to what happened on the substack, but just as an affirmation that I, I see you guys out there who um who who are taking this information in and making it your own. And and I thank you. So um yeah so yeah so here's Cliff, do you, so yesterday before I turn it over to Cliff, I did actually, um, maybe it was the day before yesterday, uh, a, an extended analysis because I had found this really interesting article uh, someone had shared with me about persuasion techniques. And I'm not necessarily saying that the influencers on these substacks know about the persuasion techniques or maybe they're just embodying them. But I think that the algorithms know and the algorithms that are behind these systems that are web three and funded by Mark Andreessen um, can, they know that that's how it's built in. And so even if we're not aware of it like at a aware at an operating level that we're intentional about it, it's still running in the background. It's still this program running in the background. So I found it super helpful to look at this these persuasion techniques and sort of unpack them and then at the end I had about an hour where I applied I did a more of a critique of the candidacy of the person in question RFK jr. But um, so Cliff had a chance yesterday to listen to some of that. So we may be incorporating that into this extension of the talk or the chat.
1: Yeah, for sure. That was, it was a wonderful talk. You know, we, we uh, I, I saw this post occur uh, as I was perusing Substack Before I brought it up to you, I thought, I tried to feel into it for a minute I thought, is this gonna be a problem? Like, am I just am I gonna be just disturbing my friend's day with with this? But some it, it felt kind of important. And um, and then as I watched you enter into it, I kind of watched from the background, and it's as though you had climbed into the simulation itself <laughs> as expressed uh, by you know, like into the ant computer. <clears throat> I mean, this is from thinking about it later. It's like watching somebody go through this door, down this rabbit hole, and you're in this culture and this milieu that has all of these intentions and purposes and rules hidden in the background such that the author and the community aren't even aware of them. And then there's an operating system that it's functioning on, which you talked about yesterday, and uh, you know, and this idea of uh, persuasion Uh, that they're also unaware of. And yet they're like actors playing a role, you know, oh, I'm just an author on Substack and this is my community, seems very normal. But it's it's embedded in a background layer, like all the way through The, the, the whole thing was built so that when we step into it, it could affect us and move us. And it has, you know, purposes of its own. So, but at first, when I watch you step into it, I I just thought of it like, oh, you're going to have a conversation on someone's blog or not a blog, uh, their Substack, and their community is, uh, you know, kind of feisty. But as I watched you there, like my friend, it's like you're in this dark forest and all these really strange forces are driving behavior of the community, uh, I start to to get like really confused so anyway it was it was a little concerning and then at some point it was just taking a toll at you and, and so we had a conversation you're like hey this is really not fun it's no fun being there the community is acting in all these strange ways they're mischaracterizing me and in fact they built you as a character like you yeah. just said they created you as a character and then had a conversation about that character and then you showed up as a human being and said, oh, I'm the human being behind the character. Um, The character doesn't really represent me. It's kind of a mischaracterization. It's about this clip. None of you have watched that clip, but you're really kind of off to the races. And yet you were polite, just kind of like, hello, hello. I'd I'd love to talk about this stuff, but it's almost like they weren't interested in you. The trigger had already, the bullet had already been fired. You know, uh, somebody in opposition to JFK's candidacy. And then the the community behavior had been, you know, already set in motion. And then the author, quote, moderator, uh, went about kind of like marshaling her community, liking things, putting little hearts on things.
0: Well, initially the first Never- day, just to clarify, when I showed up the yeah. first day, there had been that interaction, that the liking and the steering, but when I showed up, that stopped. And she disappeared, yeah. and and later, in in, yeah. in this is her own words, she said, "Oh, I just couldn't look. I just heard it was terrible." So she acknowledged that she absented herself when I came, that first day. Yeah. The, the second day, there was slightly more engagement, but there was still a retreat. There was a management to a point, and then a, a retreat out of the thing to let the people. And if you if you don't mind, if I just say one thing, um, please, oh, so, please. So yesterday, you know, I'm working on a new quilt. Um, for Lynn, and it's got a lot of triangles and so I'm like trimming these triangles and listening to my audiobook and it's very fascinating it's called uh, Children uh, Children of the Ruins and it's uh, a, a sequel to this earlier audiobook I listened to that's science fiction and it's about an advanced civilization uh, inhabited by uh, spiders that have been evolved using a nanotechnology virus and so they're an advanced civilization but they're spiders so that their senses are different than human senses. And so they feel vibration and energy more than vision. And then this follow-up book is the same universe, but they've added to it highly advanced octopus octopi <laughs> an octopus they've used this nanotechnology and you know an octopi are already super smart um but and i i'm only maybe a third of the way into it but it's so interesting so the spider uh story was literally talking about how the spiders conquered the ants and then were using them as a biological computer
2: this is another great advance that porsche's society is built on and yet one that has become a serious limiter of their further advancement There are hundreds of tamed ant colonies within Great Nest, not counting those in the surrounds that undertake the day-to-day business of producing food, clearing ground or fending off incursions of wild species. Each colony has been carefully trained, by subtle manipulation of punishment, reward and chemical stimulus, to perform a specific service, giving the great minds of the spiders access to a curious kind of analytical engine using the cascading decision trees of the colony's own governance as gearing. Each colony is good for a very limited set of related calculations. A vastly skilled, yet vastly specialised, idiot savant
0: right? Like based on these oh, social cues. Wow. So I, I pulled this and I'll insert these clips so you can listen to it. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, how, how does this guy know all these things? But <laughs> literally the spiders are using the ants as their computer. So that's the first book. So then the second book, the octopi come on the scene and the author uses uh, these stories to ex- explore cre- uh, aspects of cognition and sensation and um, and social dynamics that are built around sensation and cognition. And so in this episode, it was uh, the the smart octopi have been taken out of their uh, aquariums and they're going to be sent down to the terraformed ocean and they're in some space elevator capsule or something. And somehow the two of them get in a fight. And so they're describing this fight of all of the tentacles, which is it's hard for an octopus to have a fight because they collapse themselves, right? There's like, it's hard to get hold of like an octopus to an octopus, but there um it was this very dynamic struggle and they they characterized the mind, the thinking of the octopus that they, they, there's a crown. They actually said the crown. So I think that's the main brain and the head part of the octopus. But all of the eight tentacles have their own mini brains. And that how it was set up was that the 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 main brain would set a task and then it was up to the tentacles in and they called it the reach in the reach to figure out, based on local conditions, how to execute that task successfully, right? So it was this centralized decentralization, which is all the stuff that we're talking about with like the 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 uh, bank of, for international settlements and the digital currency. It's. St- Up at the top, it's centralized, but in the operation, it's decentralized. And so I'm listening to this, and I'll I'll put both of these clips in, so you can hear how I think about it. And sometimes they're just these synchronicities, or you know, what are you, what are you listening to, you know? But I thought, wow, what if these substacks are being used as petri dishes and test beds uh, towards some sort of goal
2: behaviors? To what end? She creeps closer, and he steps away again, not fleeing her but following that unseen web of his own invention. To any end? To no end? In and of itself, my new architecture carries no instructions, no commands. It sets the ants no tasks or behaviours. Then what good is it? He stops, looking up at her again, having lured her this close. It can do anything. A secondary architecture can be distributed to the colony to work within the primary.
0: So I just want to interject here for a second. Uh, my take on this is that what we're talking about is the web three layer here. So you have the existing social architecture that may be the natural life itself, and then uh, they interlay a new operating system that makes the uh, social computing more nimble and more manageable through circuitry. And so that is what allow will allow for sort of Programmable matter, biohybrid computation, uh, the logic circuits to be applied on top of natural social systems.
2: And another, and another. A colony could be given a new task instantly, and its members would change with the speed of the scent as it passes from ant to ant. Different castes could be made receptive to different instructions, allowing the colony to pursue multiple tasks all at once.
0: All right, so that is the use of artificial pheromones to the end of doing parallel computing. So when he says cast, it's actually a given uh, group identity. I mean, it has a hierarchical um, uh, privilege aspect to it, but also cast could simply be using metadata tags to identify certain modular social units to you uh, to. Uh, advance certain functions within the parallel processing system. So what they're after is faster computation through parallelization.
2: A single colony could follow sequences of separate tasks without the need for lengthy reconditioning. Once my base architecture is in place, every colony can be reconfigured for every new task as often as needed.
0: So I'm gonna interject here that I think that the reconfiguration, the ongoing reconfiguration is linked to the future of global gig work. And they think also to uh, ego death and to dissociation, so that you can uh, reconfigure yourself time after time and that you don't have a core identity that you can be harvested for use into the social computation program. So, the peripheral, the focus on the peripheral on social media, the disconnection from self and from one's own center and groundedness is needed for the ongoing reconfiguration for the parallel processing.
2: She understands enough of how her kind's organic technology works to grasp the magnitude of what he is proposing. If it can be done, then Fabian will have surpassed the chief limiting factor that is frustrating the temple even now and that is preventing them from giving true reality to the messenger's plan. The break will come off the advancement of their species. You have this understanding now? I do. The primary architecture is actually surprisingly simple. Building complex things out of simple things is the basis of the idea. It's like building a web. I also have a system for constructing any secondary architecture fit for any task required. It is like a language, a concise mathematical language. He stalks forwards a few steps as if teasing her. You will appreciate it. It is as beautiful as the first message. You must pass this understanding to me immediately. For a moment, Portia feels the strong desire to mate with him, to take his genetic material into herself, with its newfound understanding, to set down immediately the first of the next generation who will rule the world. Perhaps she should instead have him distill his new knowledge so that she can drink it and understand it herself, rather than leave it to her offspring. But the thought seems intimidating. How will the world look when he gives her the secret of unlocking the future? He does not speak. His shuffling feet and trembling palps suggest an odd coyness. Fabian, you must pass on this understanding, she repeats. I cannot imagine how you thought risking yourself could be acceptable if you hold this knowledge. He has ventured quite close, almost within the span of her forelegs. He is a little more than half her size, weaker, slower, more fragile, and yet so valuable. So unlike the rest of my kind? It is as if he has read her mind. But I am not, or you cannot know if I am or am not. How many understandings are extinguished every day? None like yours, she tells him promptly. You can never know. That is the problem with ignorance. You can never truly know the extent of what you are ignorant about.
0: Uh, Some sort of uh, group mind management towards a certain thing. And each uh, substack community, which really is its own ecosystem. And and I've heard a couple people chime in and say, oh, well, I've been on substacks that don't sound anything like that, what you experienced over there. We just do this, that, or the other. So I'm not saying all of the ecologies are the same, but, within the substacks, what if those are like the tentacles? And so somewhere up there in like Andreessen and Horowitz land, you know, or, you know, Waterloo, Ontario, they're like, boop, boop, like transmitting a goal. And, and it's maybe subliminal because we know a lot of this stuff is ap- operating on a very subliminal level. And then, then the individual petri dishes or walled gardens of these substack communities kind of go around and turn over the problem a bunch of different ways. And then, Poop, Here's, here's our, here's what we think, you know.
2: No proprioception, no mental picture of where all the parts of their bodies are. Eight arms that can bend in any direction at any point would tax the processing power of the Aegean, let alone an octopus brain. The crown sets strategy, but battlefield tactics are the province of the reach, those subnodes that run the arms. A fight like this would usually end with a submission, one combatant jetting away, perhaps with an arm less. Alternatively, a death. They are quite capable of strangling or devouring one another. The califi and ruse meddling has had one effect, though. They are a more social species than they were, and societies are built on shared signals and information. Abruptly, they break apart by mutual agreement, retreating to the far ends of the capsule. Salome starts work on circumventing the safeties again, then stops, starts, and then stops. She has a new idea relating to the physics of what happens if a space elevator car unexpectedly bursts open at high altitudes. Her crown's grasp of this is limited, simply that now the idea of breaking out triggers a burst of chemical signals flagging up danger. In her mind, the consequence of breaking out is like a shark circling the descending capsule, a threat waiting to get her. Her reach would have a more concrete understanding of the issue, feeling out the shape of it until the variables were all known. But the reach has limited agency of its own, and its reasoning is not apparent to the part of her that considers itself the individual that is Salome. She reconsiders her course of action and sulks at the bottom of the capsule
0: and and so i could sort of imagine if you if you thought about it as an ant computer or this walled garden octopus thing as a distributed cognition that, you know, what if someone said on the eve of this announcing of this candidacy, you know, we've got some cognitive dissonance on this, the the archetype of who RFK Jr. was before he he really landed in the lockdowns as the the Camelot guy of, you know, health freedom. And how are we gonna like thread this needle? Like, how are we gonna address these climate issues or some of the other stuff? Um, So so let's use some triggering um, mechanisms like uh, um, you know, my friend wrote about the slime mold. Well, the slime molds trigger uh, computation through putting food. They put bait in—it's like oats or something like that—in the petri dish, and then they watch it move. Right? They they bait it, and then they watch it move, and then and then they can look at that, and then use it the next time to figure out. Okay, well, did that accomplish? Is that what we wanted, or we want something different? Maybe we'll put the bait. Maybe we'll use a different bait or put it in a different spot the next time. And so I'm not saying that, that that Celia Farber or the people who participated in that were aware of this in any way, but I think it's helpful to try on the lens that maybe, because we know that this is all being modeled in simulations, these social simulations, that when we engage, it could be some of these ideas going on behind of distributed cognition and problem solving and neutralization, right? Neutralization of, of
2: perceived quote unquote threats to the goal. Fabian can only try to imagine the debate going on in Great Nest even now. Portia and her temple priestesses must be urging resistance. Perhaps they believe that the messenger will save them, even as she once interceded for her people in the great war with the ants in ancient times. Certainly the temple radio frequencies must be crammed with prayers for deliverance. If the messenger has the power to aid her faithful, then what is she waiting for? Radio? Radio? And then Fabian is lost briefly in a dream of science, where every ant soldier could be fitted with a radio receiver and somehow could write its own chemical architecture according to the urgings of signals sent out over that invisible web. A colony of ants that could be orchestrated swift as thought. He trembles at the thought. What could we not do? And it nags at him and nags at him that he has come across such a thought before. And with a sudden jolt he realises that the great project of the messenger, which Portia and her fellow zealots have given their all to realise, the indirect cause of this war could itself be just such a thing. No ants, no chemicals, but that net of copper would carry impulses just as the radio would, just as the individual ants in a colony would. And were there not switches, forks, gates of logic... It seems to him that such a design would have the virtue of speed, yet surely it could not be as versatile and complex as an ant colony working at full efficiency. Yeah, so I'm imagining
1: a playground that's uh, purpose-built, and you just think you're going to go play on the playground, and yet all your play is being tracked, and, and the goal of the playground has been set by this, you know central brain. And and then the leader of the playground invites everyone to play games, and then they just watch everything. So from 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 the point of view of gathering information, uh, the substacks might all seem different, but still be operating in a, in a functional way. So it could be uh, you know it, it, they're not all about politics. They're not all about you know. There's a wide variety, and, and it just it just felt it started to feel like so if substack is part of the um, use case gathering data and watching solutions, problems, goals, dropping them into this sort of decentralized substack across a variety of platforms. And then just so people participating don't think they're just coming to a particular substack to play and talk to that author, but it's all feeding something. It's all learning something about us. You know, it reminds me of the the kids early on being, you know, and the drones in the air and watching them at the play tables. It, 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 you know what, it's like, oh, go ahead.
0: So pause for one moment. I'm be right back because they're actually the read aloud. I've been dipping into this pervasive day. They actually talk about a smart playground. Yeah. And so, so I'll be right back. Okay, so there were two pieces to the playground reading, and I didn't get around to the second one. So, and Cliff had to go to work, so I'm inserting this up front. But this is about uh, the playground. This is the selection from that book. Okay, so Cliff had to go to work, but I'm gonna just cl- uh, read this last section about the, the reflexive playground because I think it's I think it's gonna be helpful. Uh, there's a, a picture of it here that has a seesaw on it. Okay. Uh, growing up with reflective care. A playground in parks and kindergartens is one of the most beloved place for every kid. Equipped with swings, swing sets, seesaws, and monkey bars, a playground is the best place for children to exercise. However, energetic or unattended playing often brings a danger of injury. Imagine being suddenly left alone at the seesaw. Betrayed and seemingly abandoned, a child is in pain, both emotionally and physically. The reflexive seesaw, see Figure 5.1, should prevent that. It functions discreetly, remaining neutral as long as both parties are present. And if one party suddenly leaves, it senses the imbalance and it reacts by compensating uh, it with a benevolent counterpower. Technically, a reflexive seesaw is easy to develop. What is needed are a couple of sensors a hydraulic counterpower and a control unit and then a seesaw may learn each individual child's habits and not only prevent accidents but also assist in playing when the child is alone so there's again the, the seesaw the whole playground may be equipped with reflexive devices that observe children as they play, increase joy and exercise and prevent possible accidents or, a, or call for help in case of need. This approach improves safety and brings more enjoyment on the playground. One negative impact may be that children become accustomed to an excess of care and become less cautious Another, at the other extreme, is that they fail to learn how to assess risk and are subsequently disadvantaged as adults. When you described it as a playground, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, they know, actually. This book is written 10 years ago, so they, they would know. Well, I'll, I'll figure it out in a minute. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. Well, in, in, in listening to your talk, um, what, what was the title of the one that I just finished? It was uh, the long one. Uh, really it
0: was, I, what did I call it? Um, it was co- something in co- digital playgrounds and our digital something in cognitive cognitive domain management. I'm terrible at titles. Yeah. Jason will tell yeah, you. Yeah, well, co-
1: cognitive domain management, and so in the in the process of developing cognitive domain management. The way they do that is invite you onto these playgrounds, Substack being one of them, Facebook being one of them, mm-hmm. all, all social media with this quietly hidden purpose of discovering the right tools for cognitive management. So it's like the, the folks wanting to learn uh, the methodologies for controlling cognition in the background it's like this this spread of social media and everyone just you know i remember when they sort of opened the door and everybody just migrated on right. like no i, know, I did Right, we we didn't know it's what
0: it was Facebook, we didn't Facebook, Facebook. know.
1: it's it's twitter it's a thing it's you know it, it's couched as a place where we can all come to talk and share ideas and you know we, we don't have to be passive participants sitting in front of our television watching an authority newscaster tell us what the world is we have these new playgrounds and we can all talk about it we can all go in there but they're Purpose built for machine learning and and for cognitive management ultimately, and so it it's just really gone You've said it many times. It doesn't really matter what the content is.
0: Yeah, it
1: can be it can be about aliens. It can be about uh, politics. It can be about all of these things. The data that's being gathered at the play tables of social media uh, is is toward cognitive management, and so you know we. Uh, a- after you stepped in, and it was so disconcerting. It's like they're just they created Jews and a character, and and now you show up as a real person. The author exits. Interesting. As soon mm-hmm. as the real person showed up, but her community continued to function as though you were the character. Right. They didn't engage with you as the person. Right. Right. The, and 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 you and and let alone your interesting questions, which. We're really getting right to the you know, which was about the I would clip. say
0: just a couple of people did. I don't I don't want to yeah. admit, like no, yeah. just talk so down not, to yeah. the few people that everyone. did, but the major the vast majority. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And then there were some people on a personal level too said, Hey, wait a minute, I know Allison, she's brilliant. This is but they just got kind of drowned out. But I saw them there and I appreciated them. So then you exited. We had this conversation, like, hey, I, I just went down the rabbit hole. This thing is really strange. I don't know what happened. It was It took a toll on me. It was like not fun. You're my friend. How come you weren't there? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I should have been there. So, But the thing is, ultimately,
0: like if you were there, we would both be feeding it. And so like in retrospect, like I take response, like the way in which you take responsibility for showing it to me, like I take responsibility for creating the stupid account and going in there and thinking that I was going to make a difference because I think all of us think, well, It's just a tool, it can be used for good or bad, right? Like they were always saying, we're always justifying, like we know it's not great, but it's the only thing we have. And so I did go in and I participated knowingly for a good chunk of two days, and 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 so I have some responsibility for my participation in feeding that machine as well, um, you know. But it it was a lesson, so that's why we're trying to do this takeaway. Yeah. Is that there? Like yeah. we all have a responsibility for the piece that we played in it. But yeah, when I went in, and by the second day, I was like, oh, this felt kind of lonely, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like doing yeah. this by myself because yeah, yeah. I I have a bit of PTSD from. This has happened to me before. Like, and, and in this case, it was less um, uh, upsetting in some ways because it wasn't anybody that I was particularly emotionally invested in. These weren't people I knew really or anything like that. But it yeah. has happened to me uh, before, and 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 it's hurt me. So this is like, um, yeah, I was having a little bit of flashbacks to
1: that. Yeah, and so so when I when I went in, I didn't have this perspective, like. It, 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 You've, since since it occurred, you've unwrapped all of these super interesting things about what's actually been taking place and connected it to your research. And we have a bit of a, uh, like a better view of it now. I certainly do from having watched that uh, three-hour video that you made or put out yesterday. Um, so, but back, back when I stepped in, I didn't have that view. And, and so I stepped into it and then just started to feel my way around and it felt kind of horrible. The mischaracterization, the inability of people to address anything that you said on the video, the the absence of the author. And so I I stepped in and I started addressing some of the comments and uh, disrupting uh, because I wasn't in agreement with the swarm. Right. So and and, and, uh, it it brought the author back in. So the, the author came back in eventually because I, I went back to, I found the few things that she had posted. And I said, hey, uh, the this is not a conversation about an idea. You've made this conversation about a friend of mine, somebody who I care about. So take a moment, author, and imagine that this is happening, what's happening right now to uh, Allison McDowell, that this is happening to someone you know someone you care about someone you love and and that matters to you and just take a step back and imagine that that person is in her place and it went like it it it, it and but the result like it it shattered the momentum of the let's get this person which is a m- mischaracterization of you it kind of humanized that you're actually a real person and it, so it broke up the speaking to you like you were a character in a play and now it's kind of personal and a personal friend of hers is on and and so but the reaction wasn't like oh sorry the the reaction was angry and pushing back you know because I said you've made you've made some mistakes here that like that's a real mistake to behave with someone in these ways and that you've allowed your community to say things and I would share them I was like, do you want me to make a list of the rude, ugly, and mean things that have been said about this friend of mine? It's, it'll only take me a moment. I can copy and paste the worst 100 of them in case you're wondering what might it feel like for a friend of yours to be cast, mischaracterized, and put in this position. And she just went super defensive. So again, not about Celia Farber. Just the, you know, just, it, it doesn't matter that that's who she was, but just the author, right? So the community uh, got really quiet when I posted and wasn't sure how to respond and waited for cues from the author. Because that's
0: the social the dynamic, came, right? Because it's a top-down. That's,
1: yes, right, right? Yeah. So so it was enough of a disruption, however I entered into it, that everybody just kind of went, because I, I was also not fun about it. Like, I, I, I did it in, like, 35 places. Any place there was a main thread that was picking up something else, I went and I went, Ding. real person, this is unkind, y'all are rude, ugly, mean... Uh, mischaracterizing someone who's real. you didn't haven't spoken yet at all, not one of you about the content of her clip. You haven't asked answered a single question that she asked whilst she was here. She asked a bunch of questions. none of you have answered them. So it so then she came back in to just defend the system.
0: Yeah, it wasn't
1: even you know so so the way she defended the platform and the system, it, it, it you know, it was like, first off, this is my substack. I don't have to answer your questions. I don't have to answer Allison's questions. You know, and I certainly just, don't have like, to it answer your It certainly wasn't a questions.
0: dialogue. I mean, that's no dialogue. Yeah, so, so, that's yeah, not so, a good faith but, in really dialogue. Interesting,
1: right? Really. Well, it says right away, my substack is not a dialogue. Like, I don't have to, I don't say something and then y'all say something and then I respond to what you said. I say something. And then y'all feed into it and support it or or discuss it or talk about how brilliant I am, so it was so and it all felt really strange because again, I didn't have this background, so I love the work that you've done you know since then and and then uh the apology one went up, right where uh, so she's like, okay, I'm just gonna apologize." not because i did anything wrong but but because sometimes apologizing check. is the way
0: it, a blank yeah. check apology <laughs> only it wasn't a, blank, a check. blank
1: check apology i didn't actually so, so even
0: at that point she had said that she hadn't even watched the clip at that point like she multiple still days hadn't later watched
1: the clip right so <laughs> important we built we built an Allison character we threw her to the wolves my community's been chewing on that character that mischaracterization None of us have really watched the clip. We
0: thumb our nose at the idea the that we have to watch the clip before we can tear
1: the character. And now, and and now you're character. in here defending the real person behind the character we built, it, 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 telling us we've done some kind of wrong to you know to this person, and causing us to have to reflect on that this is actually a real person. But it, it wasn't. But it was pushed back. So so the apology thing came, and I just said, uh, I don't accept. Your apology, I do not accept your apology. It's not a real apology. And I said, when you make an apology, and then I just went through, here's what an apology is. This is how an apology goes. You see, you know you, uh, you check in with the person and notice that you've done something that's disturbed them, made a mistake, whatever. So and then I just walked through it. I said, that's an apology. What you've done is not an apology. And what you've done is led to is a bunch of people, and I can gather them, copy and paste where you want, who are now going? Oh my gosh, you're so big, author. You know that? that what a great apology! And you're, you know, you, you, you're not so, you know, important that you know. Like it, it became a little adoration festival about the author. Now, and I just, apologize for,
0: just to make, make clear, this whole thing was precipitated by her reposting a comment someone had made about a clip that I had made as her original post, even though she hadn't engaged with the co- original content that I had made and laying it out. I don't know Celia Farber. I didn't have a sub yeah, description. I, I didn't know anything about this. I haven't engaged. This was in no way me going <laughs> after, like, it, it. it in all respects, this was initiated at every level by her. And then and then she yeah. is reframing herself as the bigger person, you know, through this apology. So, yeah, I just want to make yeah. that very and, clear. Yeah, this isn't no, me I, that I we've that. been and, bickering behind the scenes for a while or this is a blow up. I don't know the woman. Like this has happened several yeah. times. So,
1: yeah. And and again, to take it away from the idea of Celia Farber as an individual, to take it away from the idea that we're like dissecting her character. We're not. We're, we're, you've done this brilliant work between when it occurred and now to unfold yeah. a clearer picture of how this occurs, what Substack is, that it is a kind of a digital playground, that there's a purpose to it, that the, the community and even the authors don't recognize the purpose. Just like when we all streamed on the Facebook, we didn't realize we were on a military built you know, a uh, uh, cognitive management research project.
2: We didn't. We, th- we thought we
1: were in a cool town square. Yeah. So like, no. <laughs> I, I could can, I can talk to Jody in Ireland. Now I'm going to go talk to Frank in Australia. This is how the world should be. I mean, right. like, we just bought, we just we drank did. the Pepsi. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like,
1: playing there. Well, and especially Instead because of- the
0: lockdowns, I think, on social media yeah. blew it up to, like, I mean, there may be other communities that had already built global networks. But as people became alienated because of maybe cognitive differences about what was happening with their immediate friends and family, and it was happening at a global level, all of a sudden you had this global community, right? You had these connections, which were probably very interesting to the AI to to blow apart national Super. boundaries and build that. And I think, you know, Joseph Gonzalez has said this in the past, isn't it interesting now that you have all these friends that are referred to you that are on the other side of the world, but not in your backyard, right? So that that's how yeah. these things were happening.
1: Yeah, and, and, and so I, you know, so then I just went and I said, look, you know, and again, for those listening, we're not this is not about the character of Celia Farber this is about the system right uh, of social media platforms uh and, and you know what what the deeper purposes of these uh and you uh, again if people can just go to the last live stream that you did it's three hours long it's worth every penny um and, and it's not but what it's you, free what you would call a, <laughs> yeah and it's free you, you don't have to you don't need a token a badge or a five dollar <laughs> subscription in order to listen to it you know it, it's um,
0: can I, so I, 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 I
1: okay. yeah, please.
0: Well, so I have two pages here from this is this book, This Pervasive Day. Uh, it was written in yeah. 2012 and Jeremy Pitts is the editor of it. It's it's uh, compiling authors about pervasive computing. So a world where we're in, cool. in you know, we keep talking about the outside in robot. So I, I really like your discussion of it as this playground that's programmed for a purpose we don't understand and framing these yeah. substack closed gardens Ecosystems in this way, and so I'm just going to read these couple of pages, if it's okay, and keep in mind what we've said about how this substack may be offering operating, and not just substack, but these other uh, media platforms that create quote unquote digital community, and then create social cues and behaviors to manage those communities and to steer them.
1: Okay, so and, and I just want to add uh, descriptively. I heard you in the last couple of days say digital sandboxes and uh, 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 walled gardens or, um, um, but th- so this idea of, you know, discrete playgrounds, rooms, uh, where this activity has taken place has re- been really helpful.
0: Right. Oh, okay. So, and it, so this is chapter five and it's called Reflexive Computing Naturally Artificial. Okay. So, and it's by, and I'm not great with the na- pronunciation, Nicola Cerebedsjia from Fraunhofer, First Berlin. And each of these chapters opens with a quote from uh, the Ira Levin book, uh, This Perfect Day. So this is this pervasive day. It's from This Perfect Day, which is about a world run by a supercomputer. Uh, and it's interesting. I have to figure <laughs> out which was written first, Unicomp. And and they get monthly chemotherapeutic treatments to keep them all in line. And they, they, they're all part of one family. And they have advisors to keep them on their track. So it's all very cybernetic. And, you know, I, I'm thinking this is probably written somewhere around a similar time as A Wrinkle in Time. And 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 mm. it felt like Camazots. Actually, maybe that's what it felt like, Cliff. It was wandering into Camazots, right? And they're like, oh, everybody yeah. bounces their balls at the same time. And then there's one kid over there, you know, who's not bouncing like <laughs> with everyone else. And they're like, <gasps> you know you're in trouble right and i was the like yeah. not bouncing the ball in the right then and the, to the right beat so i think this is all this similar milieu and um the quote that that he cho- that was chosen for this chapter uh, so again, you have these, you're, everybody's conforms, there's only four boy, male names, four female names, everyone wears unisex jumpers, everything is, is towards the collective, right? And, 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 and Pitts kind of tries to frame this as Cold War communism, but th- I think it's the ant computer, right? And so the quote is, the feeling of guilt with which Chip, that's the main character, had left the academy, had, le- had led him to withhold himself from his next advisor, for he wanted to retain that feeling, which though unpleasant was the strongest feeling he had ever had. And an enlargement, strangely of his sense of being. Gosh. And so yesterday's talk was really focused. These persuasion techniques was they were in looking on to how to get either an individual or a group to change their behavior in a persistent way. There were two strategies and one was, uh, it was more difficult, but it was a, a central focus where people would have to intellectually engage and integrate it into their overall worldview and like internalize the idea. And at that point, if, which took a lot of work, but once someone had internalized it, they would carry it forward for a longer amount of time. This, the second approach is called peripheral, And it was working with people who are mostly on autopilot, like emotional and social autopilot. And you would use basic social cues to steer them in a direction. And that would work for a time, but it was like one of these artificial pheromones, like the ant trail that it would, it would start out strong at the beginning and then it would weaken, it would fade over time. And so I think that social media is a lot of the latter. The peripheral is to keep people emotionally reactive, uh, to use fear to drive people into protective communities, and then to use these digital pheromones to walk them along, but it, they only last so long, right? So every three weeks you have to have a new disaster, a new threatening thing to come on, to keep everyone in line and keep them walking along the pheromone trail. So, um, so, you know, in can this-
1: I, Can I, sorry, can I just say real quick? So it, after listening to that and your talk yesterday and what you said, the, the, I it, it began to see the, the Substacks, Facebook, all these social media platforms, what you don't realize is that you have a couple of options uh, where cognition is concerned. One is more work and leads to more lasting change in both attitude and behavior. One is a lot less work, you're in it on autopilot and these platforms are designed to habituate you to peripheral yeah. behavior and thinking. So you, so no, but you didn't know when you stepped in that it's <laughs> there to literally habituate you a, a, along a certain cognitive management strategy called peripheral. Right. So anyway, it's, it's I mean, but it, having a word for it
0: really helps, right? You're like, because really I, I've helps. been kind really of helps. talking about this for a while. I'm like, don't believe me guys. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not trustable, but like, Take my material, if you're interested, add to it your lived experience, what you find, compare notes, integrate it. Like it would be great to collaborate. We could build something together. I'm building, you know, like it's not me, but we're coming together. There is a small group of people who seem to be very interested in these things and, you know, uh, sharing guest posts and sharing their own research because that's what I like. And and the other piece of the the persuasion in targeting the campaign, the messaging campaign for the behavior change, it said that you have to know your audience. You you have to know um, what what motivates them, uh, what their capabilities are in terms of their knowledge base, how. how distracted they are, how much noise there is, like what is their capacity to even absorb your message in the first place, and then that shapes the decision you make about how you proceed with the campaign, right? And so my motivation is to figure out the thing. Right, and, and that's just how yeah. I'm wired. I'm not saying it's better than the way other people are wired, but I'm wired to figure out the thing. Like something happened to me when they closed all the schools in Philadelphia, and I started pulling the thread, and it was this giant puzzle that led me to these amazing places and meeting people, but that's the, it's the next thing. That's my motivation. What I'm realizing is that especially in this climate, this landscape of fear, ongoing fear of all sorts, Many people are largely motivated by maintaining a safe position in the collective, even with the freedom people, even the people who claim sovereignty and freedom and choice and all are their primary, really what they want, many of them is to identify a safe place with others and then defend that place. And so you you were talking before about reward system, like what's the dopamine hit for you? And my dopamine hit is like, oh my gosh, Cliff. A playground. Let me. I, I have a new book. Let's read about that. Um, and I'm. I'm doing that f- from my inner core. It's inward out, right? It's inward out. Many people who are working to stay in a safe location, they're 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 consumers of a transmission in. It's outside in, outside in, and that's a it's a very different approach. And again, I'm not saying it with judgment, but I'm just I'm acknowledging and I can see this more clearly now that I understand the tools they're using.
1: Yeah. So you, you, in other words, you have some options in your cognitive engagement. In the peripheral one, you're trying to find a safe place, even if it's health freedom or any variety of health freedom or germ or terrain or whatever it is. You're trying to find a safe place where you belong that has a leaderboard of super smart people and, and you're a participant in that community, but it's, but your cognitive relationship is peripheral. You're not thinking anymore. You're listening to the leaderboard, white coats, whoever, authorities, right? And then, it, it, uh, uh, and anything that comes sideways at your home ground terrain germ virus. So that you, you know, you play your part as part of the ant computer in that uh, playground. You defend the playground, right? So anybody's ideas who don't agree with the white coats, leaderboard, authorities at the top of your thing. You, you, when they go, hey, I don't like this person, everybody goes rah, right? right. They don't think about it as a person, they're just behaving. So this is part of the cognitive peripheral dynamic. In this in this other dynamic, uh, uh, central, uh, there's a better way that you've said it, um, central processing or something. But in, in this other dynamic, which you exemplify by saying, hey, don't follow me, don't make me a leader, which you've said from day one, like, oh, I'm very uncomfortable. I don't want to be, I'm just doing this amazing research because I kind of have to do it. So uh, if you peek into it and it kind of moves you, go do it on on your own. And so the, the difference, so inviting people to look around the labyrinth, which is you've seen what I'm up to over here. Don't say that I'm right about it. Don't make me your hero, but just take what I've been looking at take it close to home and see if the lens I've discovered useful is useful, but look where you are and at what you're doing. Don't just stand around me and have opinions about Bill Gates and opinions about the WEF. Those people, you don't reward those people, right? You, you, you're, you're, you don't uh, necessarily reward people that do it the right way, but you push people to go do their own research. Reflecting from this lens that I have that I find useful, Go do your own research. Look around the labyrinth where you are. So it's not an invitation into the safety of your worldview and don't worry. And if somebody comes along who disagrees with us, I'll let you know and y'all go take the best of what you know about my work and go chomp on them and kick them out of here. So it's, it's a very different cognitive dynamic. And, and it's it's kind of lonely. If you do the peripheral thing, I'm the smart guy in the room. I'm the smartest guy in the room. I've got the most PhDs. I've got all the backing. Here's the reality uh, now your job is to function as defendants of that RFKs is, is this thing or this thing. So it's just, it's, these are like, I, I recognize it now having listened to what we went through, having come out of it, listened to your research there, there uh, you know, so I, I can and now reflect and say cognitively, how am I engaging with this subject matter or this platform right. or or Twitter or you know, and, are you and, on autopilot, am I just, right? Like, our, am I on autopilot? Right. Am, am I being encouraged to uh, uh, accept the reality being shared and then defend it? Uh, what happens if I speak against it? Am I am I attacked and kicked out? So it just it just has a kind of a clear... And, uh, it, the, the, uh, in your talk, also, it's like, the, and we're human. It, the like it is world. human
0: to be on yeah. autopilot. We're not saying we're not saying yeah. this in judgment. Like there's a lot of our lives that we kind of just are zoned out. We're on our commute. We're cooking dinner. We're kind of on autopilot, right? And and so and you can't probably the brain would burn out if you were on central all the time. But it 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 would be useful to be mindful of when you're on autopilot or understanding what these playgrounds are, if you're being steered in them. So Cliff, do you oh, mind yeah, if I, especially, I oh, yeah, please. Do, do you mind if no, I read please. this? So I just want to say this quote when it said that Chip was withholding himself from his advisor. So the advisor would be like your hearable AI telling you what to do next. It, it's, it's a human in the story in the 1970s story, but it would be your guide your, your person to keep you on the path. And he was not being so open because even though it was kind of unpleasant, it was the strongest feeling to be in your own being. And I I think that that is something there's a lot of, um, there can be this idea of, of fear or discomfort of being responsible for ourselves. Like it's not an easy thing to say, oh, there's this big scary world and ultimately I'm kind of responsible for myself and my choices. But you know what, I, I feel that. And there is something in feeling that rather than outsourcing my thinking to an AI or to an influencer or to something else. So I think that that's a very interesting observation. So again. Yeah,
1: beautifully said.
0: Yeah. So this is chapter five, reflective computing, naturally artificial. And they're talking about a a playground, a a pervasive computing playground. Uh, 5.2 motivation. What you need is what you get. Indisputably, younger generations are far better prepared to accept and use new technologies than the older ones. This is so because from early childhood they have been playing, parentheses, with or without permission, with remote controls, mobile phones, calculators, computer consoles, etc. Now think about remote controls. That's pretty interesting. That makes them fit for using more advanced devices as they grow older. The fact is they adapted themselves to new technology, becoming definitely smarter than their parents for the smart things. Okay. So not just smarter, but smarter for the smart things, right? Smarter to to use the smart things. Whether this kind of adaptation has some negative aspects like deficiency in arithmetic reading or reasoning remains to be investigated. Since computers have become an integral part of everyday surroundings, it is necessary to rethink and redesign ways in which we cooperate with computers. And and I would say that this substack was sort of a, a way, a digital cooperation platform. Right? It, there, there was a cooperative task being carried out. Um, to make a control system a genuine companion in everyday life, it should be enriched with some adaptation capabilities in order to adjust its functioning to the user's needs. Otherwise, a modern homo, te- homo technicus may experience, parentheses, as any intrinsically adaptive species would due to its permanent and enthusiastic exposure to rigid artificial systems unpleasant retrogressive mutation <laughs> okay the ideal man machine confluence is the one that minimizes explicit interaction and maximizes the functionality of the system the goal is to avoid giving commands to a control system but rather to enable the system to understand what is needed in a given circumstance And so I think this goes back to a lot of the idea that the most powerful technologies are invisible. Like when electricity went into the wall and became invisible and we don't even think about it anymore. That's what's planning on coming with Internet of Everything. In a similar way that text editing has been revolutionized by the what you see is what you get principle. The motto what you see is what you get is radically changing the landscape of man machine interfaces. The approach described here is called reflective as it observes people in their activities and reflects their need by adjusting the control system accordingly. So I'm just gonna read that again, Cliff, and think, think about that in the context of what happened. The approach described here is called reflective as it observes people in their activities and reflects their need by adjusting the control system accordingly. And then it goes on to say, observation is done through numerous sensor devices that collect information. Based on the collected information, an analysis is performed that results in emotional, cognitive, and physical diagnosis. Taking into account the detected user state and the system goals, the functioning is adapted to the user's needs, making the control system naturally embedded into the wider surroundings. To illustrate the idea of reflective approach, three scenarios are considered, showing how technology blended with adaptive behavior may be supportive anytime for any person of any age. Now, I'm going to read this second section, but I just want to pause for a second and say, so there are sensors that are observing your behavior, your social behavior, and then through low-key unseen mechanisms, adjusting towards your quote unquote, you know, well-being or your needs. But that is the need is decided within the system goal. And we don't know what the system goal is, Cliff. We don't know what the system goal is.
1: Before you read the next piece, I want to add to that. So there's part of what I heard him say is that this idea of cognitive steering, if it's too overt, people will be like... Tell me what to do right they'll they'll mutate you know they'll they'll rebel right like a, a mutation is kind of a rebellion against the standardized set you know um and, and so w- then what he said was so you know st- in order to not have them focus on that stay in the background quietly helping them to function well
0: optimization function well
1: right. optimization. Because and, and because they like that. Oh, I'm doing better, right? So a reward system, right? Uh, optimization, keeping focused there in order to keep your mind off of how profoundly steered you're being by this thing, which you're not even sure what it is and what it's up to in, in the meantime. So I, it just really helps me see people are like optimization, like in health, right? They've got all these wearables. They love it. They put them all on. Like, watch. I got my heart rate <laughs> right there. I get a badge. Oh, my glucose. That's the thing, you know, if you keep them focused on the functionality, mm-hmm. they don't notice that a watch is telling their heart r- what to do, yeah. right? <laughs> through through them, you know, like because that would be really weird if there was some kind of machine consciousness in the background that had goals that I was unaware of that was informing my behavior. But in order to not have me get all freaked out about that. Keep me on the playground of functionality and optimization. I did 50 push-ups. Look at my body. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and, and again, we're agreeing through our participation. But I think, I mean, I think this has been yeah. going on for a really long time. And I keep saying it goes back to the Macy conferences and cybernetics, you know, and has been, you know, probably baked into World War One, World War II military technology and then is now so sophisticated, but we don't see it. And we're not educated like they're saying the younger generation is smart about the smart devices but no one's educating the children to see them to to present a counter argument they're literally just being ushered in you know and it's interesting to me that they talk about the first thing they say about the children playing with remote control like we're literally being remote controlled and not that it hasn't like society has remote controlled people for a long time but now literally you could like dial it in like probably on a, you know, an hourly basis, if you wanted to. In the past, you know, you have religion, you have corporate culture, you have social culture, you know, uh, nationalism, you have different things that identify you, you know, faith community, like within this thing, but um, that's broad strokes. That's, That's working on a longer time horizon. Now they're like, oh, you want to target that woman? Let me dial that up to 11.
1: You know, like they can literally yeah, yeah, do but, that. But, yeah, so imagine they, it's the illusion of control. Like they gave you the, the, oh, remote, I control. Have the remote control. Watch, watch, <laughs> click, I change the channel, right? Who gave you the remote control? So that you have the illusion? Because like the channel choices have all been set, but it you'll feel better if you feel like choice. you're in control of this thing. Yeah. Like, go ahead and change the channel. It's like, oh, it's <laughs> so tricky, right? I know, it's so and, tricky. And a lot of these, a lot of the devices are about, like, people's, like, I'm affecting the world through technology by changing the channel and changing my diet and changing my thing. But the control, the little control device it is an illusion of control. You know, there, there's there's still only so many places you can go on Apple TV, and all of those shows are being managed. It doesn't matter which one you click through. They just know that you'll feel better if you're not told too precisely how you know control. This reminds me of the gaming thing, like like be the designer, mm-hmm. right? So they're they're the designer in the background. Because then you can really control everything. But you give the user the illusion of control. Look, I got my joysticks.
0: Well, because some my- of it is decision theory. Like what the system yeah. wants to know is, I think it's really learning to be human. And like, think about it. Yeah. <laughs> what What is going to happen if, you know, and again, I've, I've revisited my idea of the singularity. But if you took it at face value that it was this idea of some machine having getting sentience, you know, consciousness. Like, what are you doing with an AI that's literally trained on a noise machine that runs on trauma and anger and belittling behavior? <laughs> I mean, you know, like, because that's what these things are. It's like, it's all about eyeballs, yeah. right? And the things that are negative get yeah. the most eyeballs and the most clicks and the most comments. So literally you're training possibly your digital overlord by participating in, in – really very unseemly behavior you know and then, yes. and then we're, they're going to wonder how what happened at the end
1: what do you mind saying can you say briefly what's your new way of looking at the singularity
0: oh so so now i'm sort of thinking really going back to the omega point which is something when i was sitting in that i triple webinar like they knew about patahar desjardins omega point this idea of a convergent the evolution of humanity into a a global thought form, right? A sort of a dematerialization out of the body into this global thought form, that I think actually has a lot to do with uh, unification. There's a lot of themes, so there are, like links to like the Unification Church and South Korea and Reverend Sanghyang Moon and connections between uh, Ico. Uh, I think it's it's not Icarus. I think it's Icos. That a lot of science, like the merging of the uh, convergence, consilience of social science and physical sciences and bringing it all together in this unification. Uh, Unity video games, right? The world peace, this idea of the the, uh, the Tao, the yin-yang, the, 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 the balancing is this idea of creating a biohybrid supercomputer that incorporates natural life on Earth to tap into the creativity and the consciousness and the soul of life uh, that is something that a machine consciousness doesn't have. But through melding with a machine and, and integrating that under this frame of unity that that we become the singularity. And, and isn't that what they're saying? The singularity is a unification, is a uni- unified Layer, yeah. So the singularity may be the omega point and that, but we're not outside of it. I think we're actually integral to it because what the machine doesn't have is um, the spark of life, the soul that, you know, light, natural life has. So that's my. Yeah. And
1: so it, with that as a background, I asked because I'd already heard it and I wanted you to say it out loud because I think it's brilliant. But so with that as a background, then like, if that's what's occurring, then it starts to make all of this steering of people's cognitive functions uh, towards something like that more like like uh, reasonable. It's like, well, wh- why why all the cognitive management? You know, if if it's just to feed some alien AI who's then going to be the, a total overlord and run our lives, which we would mutate, we would rebel. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's you know this AI monster you know, robot silicon thing ruling humanity and blowing up our satellite. Maybe that's not really where it's headed. Maybe it's where it's headed is what you're talking about. And I I just like the frame that you just gave, because to me, the information seems to be flowing in that direction, the cognitive management. Well, you know
0: what's so fascinating is yesterday, um, uh, Arlette, who we, we had a discussion about the mental health stuff, and she, uh, was looking into Jung, and so she she connected me to an interview. She forwarded with his grands- uh, the uh, grandson of Paul Mellon, who was a, a close associate, and they were with the Bollingen Foundation that published Jung's work in English. And I've always been very curious about why the Mellon family was connected to Jung and, like, what its role was in this, because it seemed like more than just, uh, you know— arts and culture patrons or something like that seemed deeper because of what I've realized is this is about archetypes right and 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 remaking yourself the way they attempted to remake me into a false archetype like a straw man character for this spectacle that they put on um it is about and, and even like the rfk junior candidacy has this archetypal mythic uh, you know, legacy attached to it, right? There, there's, there are these mythic themes that, are, that we're being uh, bathed in. And so what I, when I was listening to the, the interview, that I, I found out that Jung actually was collaborated very closely with Dulles during World War II, and was, I don't know, officially, but like an honorary member of the OSS, which became the CIA. And he was very integral in providing analysis, Jungian analysis of the the Nazis. But then later on, Dolas became the lead on the MK Ultra mind control programs, right? And that The OSS then became the CIA, which spun out in QTEL, which we know is the funder of Niantic and augmented reality and this idea of LARPing, live action role play, life, gamified life, and Michael Crow of Arizona State pushing gamified life. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'm not trying to point to Jung as being, uh, you know, a particular sinister force in this, but if the the people who are at the top who understood the mind control uh, mythos, archetypal programs, both through MK Ultra, through eslin through these other things, they were tapped into this at the beginning. This idea that if you can um, manage people's self identity and the stories that they inhabit, that's incredibly powerful. And I think that the, the, yes. the end goal isn't a genocide, but rather a convergence of the creative capacity of um, of, of human life. And so to me, anyway, I, I just think the whole archetype thing and Jung was, it was, and the, and the connection through Dulles and the CIA and the OSS was just really uh, a useful nugget of information for me yesterday. So thank you, Arlette, for putting that on my radar.
1: Yeah, and, and how we identify ourselves, you know, the identity, the archetype that we inhabit, super important. And that is being massaged, that is being shaped. People are wanting to, on social media, shape themselves into an archetype of uh green and progressive and uh you know accepting and you know like the or conservative like the, and
0: freedom or conservative, and you know like but, all but,
1: of it, but it feels like the the draw plus you get all of this really interesting digital technology uh that you can use to fix your background to look the right way and dress the right way like like the becoming of an archetype, of an idea, of an influencer, important person, you know, like the shaping. But it's 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 not so much like it's coming from here. It's like being drawn out. Like like, don't you want to inhabit this identity? You know, this. You know progressive what's so funny, identity? Cliff,
0: is like looking back and 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 like various swipes that have been made at me. Like I don't actually fit a particular box. And, you know, so those so yeah. people are like, well, maybe you're a Gucci mom, right? I had someone called me a Gucci mom. <laughs> then they're like, well, maybe you're a hippie. Well, maybe you're this. And I'm thinking like, what, what, you've got these polar opposites, like what? Because they can't actually stick the label on. So that's why they had to make a false version of me and throw it into the ring. Because I, when, I, I feel like once you're in your own center, then, then those other, the, the, uh, you're steering your own ship. I mean, and I'm not saying I, I do it all the time. Sure, I, I'm, I'm human. But if you're more cognizant of the infrastructure that's being built around us, then you don't have to accept the identity someone has given you. And and it, but the individual identity and the group identity.
1: Yeah. And there's a kind of a centeredness and groundedness and strength in that position. You're not subject to the demands of branding, right? Yeah. They can't figure out how to brand you and you're not, branding yourself so it's like are, are you even playing the game allison i mean like you know like you haven't well, i'm here so that, clear, is, that
0: is part right? of the game yeah. like i don't i'm right. not trying to say yeah. i'm totally well, i've got it all locked in and yeah, i know no, how to do no, this no, the no, exact totally right yeah, way we're, But yeah. we're
1: in it with everybody else yeah. but i just think it's really interesting that you know uh, how important the uh you were i wish i could remember his name this one player who was involved in everything but he was involved in marketing and for pepsi and then later for governmental organizations and um uh networks and franklin lieberman do,
0: the neo world guy
1: lieberman that yeah. is such an I, I wish everyone would listen to that portion of your talk it's super interesting because again it's it, it's like how do you how do you brand this idea how do you market this idea how do you do and 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 that's where these archetypes come in right powerful archetypes well, are, can, can are I play speak to play that? into oh. the yeah. Well, please.
0: I just want to say, so the brand management, so I spoke to that a little bit before, because part of the persuasion campaign was that you, you know, you have your, you, 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 you characterize your audience, you figure out, okay, are we doing central or peripheral? How do we, how do we, what is the, what is our goal? How do we get there? So you run your tests, but often you do A, B testing. So you, do, you approach it with this branding or this branding and then you test it and then you get the data and then you run the thing and then you adjust depending on which is the better, gets the better results. And that's core to marketing. That's like the core part of yeah. business marketing is that, um, and so like my experience is that I was the child of uh, an executive for Procter & Gamble. And so my dad came from you know, a difficult home who spent a lot of his time uh, after school uh, playing football and working at a grocery store. And he leveraged that his time working, you know, stocking shelves and stuff. Uh, And he got a job at Procter & Gamble early on in, in the 60s and spent his career there. And he was excellent at selling Folgers coffee. Like he was a beverage guy, later on orange juice. But he, and so his identity was, and this was a time when you could have a job for life right you know and he was good at it because he was Mm. a very good people person and he so his identity was built into this corporate identity to the point that i remember going to like we would be at friends' houses as a family, and he would like be giving people a hard time if they bought the wrong kind of detergent or the, had the wrong, you know, coffee or whatever. Like he would, because that was his identity and that was the brand. And then Procter & Gamble itself was so good at brand management. They had soap operas, They ivory soap. They funded the soap operas, which was again, like here's the remote, here's some channels. What And so that became part of the, the reality spectrum. It wasn't just the product, it was a whole view on the world, right? And often think about, Trauma and keeping people in the peripheral. The soap operas were always about keeping people in the peripheral and not having them <laughs> centered, right? I mean, yeah. I remember when yeah. I was a kid, my mom tells a story that um, when my dad came home from work and I ran to the do- ran up to him at the door when he put down his briefcase. I'm like, Dad, guess what? Mikey ran out in the street and got hit by a car today. My dad's like, Oh my gosh! Like what? Mikey? And and my mom's like, It was on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> it was on the soap opera. Exactly.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah. is the perfect. Can- so like I'm not saying I'm a part outside of this. Like, but when you have the lens, you can yeah. be like, oh yeah, like my this we're given. And soon, brand management is worldview management is reality management. Yes. So it's this extension yes, of brand. Uh, you know your identity, the reality, and your worldview is shaped by the lens that you're given, and you talk about this all the time, Cliff.
1: Yeah. It's wonderful. Wonderful. (laughs) What do you want to talk about next?
0: Um, Well, can we talk?
1: I mean, you know, part of, I have, I have to say like, you know, like honestly for me, I do these videos with you. I'm here to learn and to, to like, you know, and so I have, uh, you know, sort of in a central way, I have a very uh, deeply settled sense of myself and, and the world Right, so I'm. I'm not. It's not that I'm not open the conversation, but you would have a difficult time moving me off of my central core, right? And and it's it's not you know it's not how I'm branded. It's not how I appear on social media. But like the so the core idea is like so I've been doing an exploration, like you've been doing an exploration, doing it in a little bit of a different uh, area in a different way, but doing this doing my own really deep dive and. As I go along, certainly I get new information and sometimes things shift, but I have a very strong core sense of myself uh, in, in, in 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 the world. So it, I, you can't just push me around with an invitation to grow muscles, you know, or to, you know, get a better car or to, I'm more thoughtful. I stay more in the background. I, I'm more considerate because it's not defending my, kind of core self and, and understanding as that having that I'm just not really as susceptible so even when the pandemic came along even though I didn't know what it was it, it, I just was not going to be pushed around like that yeah like I had a, I had a sense of self I didn't have a community sense a branded social sense that where my listening was for what are we doing oh there's a thing what are we gonna do we're all gonna run now what are we gonna do I was like no 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 so I you know, just having and so I, I, get this. So we kind of come at it from different ways. But in fact, that you know, like this video this morning with you, I, this is just me engaging in a friendship with somebody who has a central clarity and and who's not un, uh, available to shift. Because your research, the nature of your research, it's enhancing, but it's it's not changing your point of view. It's kind of like enhancing your central clarity. You know, yeah. and, and so in, and in my research, things would happen that would shift things, but it would enhance the clarity of my kind of central uh, piece. And it's so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not doing this work like for other people. Yeah. I, my, my friendship with you and study with you, it's, it's so valuable for me. It's so rich because I get to share with somebody who is in this other kind of way of being in the world. Yeah. And and so it doesn't mean we can't get tricked into rushing onto Facebook during a pandemic and thinking it's a thing, but I can always rely on that whatever it is that we go through, we're gonna we're gonna settle back into our core and we're gonna untangle what occurred because we're not interested in you know, and and see how it how it shapes itself and whether or not we want to accept it into this. So it's almost like having a, an actual sense of self; you're less subject to. The archetypal cognitive management of the development of a branded self. Right. And I watch I watch young people come along and we're not encouraging them in this central way to discover, to look around the labyrinth of themselves and discover what really matters to them without cues, without a bunch of teachers saying without so we're always drawing people away from themselves, you know, from the earliest age at these play tables. Who, there are goals for their education that the children do not set they, they're they're just like oh I guess the goal is get a degree or the goal is to get it good get it. but it's all a kind of a pulling away and then when you get the degree you'll be a branded professor procter and gamble guy or this or that but it's always a pulling away and, and and so you know like for you know like ultimately we want to find some way and, but again it's not so I, I mean, you know, I think about like kids now. No, nobody really encourages them to be on a path of discovery about who they are. They are profoundly uncertain of who they are, and then there's this intense social media thing that's like you're a this and you're a that. And those things aren't good, and these things are good, and they're like shopping yeah. for a self identity on this social branded, archetypal, you know, digitalized global you know like trying to find themselves out there in all of that from
0: the palette here's your choice you know here's your from the palette
1: and the, the pretense of choice here's the remote control go ahead and click through till you find what you want but it's all laid out on a palette out there so you know so as as we discuss these things you know part of what occurred on that substack was that people don't they didn't really have a sense of themselves they were playing this peripheral game they were easily managed by the author of the substack the substack itself was is being managed in the background with rules and systems that the author and the community are unaware of but again it just it it, it brings me back to like a way to orient myself like i'm not here to like teach somebody else like how important it is to center myself in where i am and what's important to me like just in the last the, the pandemic broke everything, and so I went deep into my own kind of core system, and I had a conversation there, not with the world. Yeah. And I said, "I'm, I'm, I'm unhappy," right? Speaking to the core, central, uh, faith sense of myself, and I said, "I'm unhappy," and 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 uh, I'm not asking for happiness; that seems silly, but I could use some help with how unhappy I am. And, and and then like a clear communication in this other living communicative place said, look down at your hands. And it turns out I was holding a shovel. And it was really funny because I was happy. <laughs> I'm always happy with the shovel in my hand. So I'm saying that there was a, by tapping into the central sense of myself, the developed sense, which in itself like a like a media platform has controls and things operating beyond it that you can't see life has an aspect to it that supports and encourages life that we can't necessarily see but if you come home to a central view not choosing from the palette out there and you ask within from the person that you are and what interests you you're you're partly asking into what's behind the scenes supporting life and that So the simple answer comes and says, you know, notice that you are actually happy because you have a shovel in your hand. And I built a little gardening business and it just went boop, 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 boop. And now I'm just like in Wonderland and there are I've got my whole my 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 Poppy Garden 2.0 is going on. I've got (laughs) this year I added this year just in my own place, let alone that I have a gardening business, which I'm very happy. I'm like, it just freed me up to be happier like, right where I am. So just if you step off my porch now, there's, uh, there's, like, additional poppy gardens, there's a butterfly pollinator garden, uh, milkweed, oh, I can't wait to see it, I've I've never really (laughs) seen it, but I've got, so I've got all of these, so, and I've really just, like, planted all around, and in my, in my gardening business, just, like, staying in myself, like, I don't read books, I just go, and I, like, Feel into the place and come from like where I am and what's going to help my friend this tree, and so I started this uh, 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 mulching program with something uh, called arborist chip, this heavy chip, and and I, as a way to keep down weeds and, and to feed the soil and to, and to maintain moisture. And then I watched my friends all these plants, and they're like, "We're feeling so." And year two with the mulch, they're like doing so much better. But then the community noticed that I wasn't mm. pulling weeds. I wasn't watering in the summer and my plants look healthy. And somebody's like, I'm gonna try it. And at first they just sprinkled it, but then they learned, look, well, he put it eight inches deep. Well, then it went around the corner. And then there was a quarter mile away, somebody was doing it too. And then the city saw it <laughs> happening, right? Yeah. And, and it, like the guy, cause they've got to they've got to weed, water, and, and and try to deal with all this stuff. And so now there's this thing in Seattle called the Burke-Gilman Trill, which is managed by the bigger organization called the City, and now mm-hmm. they're using bark chips, six to eight inches. Uh, not bark chip, um, arbor chip. It's not cedar chip. It's it's just all the stuff that gets trimmed, all oh. mashed up mm-hmm. together in these big chunks. So now, citywide, they're using Arbor's chip and now so the mycelial network that's available mm-hmm. to feed and transfer nutrients in Seattle is going. <laughs> boom, 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 it's running down the brick Montreal. So it, it's it's that that there are there are rewards in the central kind of uh, a cognitive stance that are surprising, you know, the uh, rewards like real happiness, uh, like influence. Like nobody would know, nobody's ever gonna know that I influenced the level of mycelial activity in Seattle because I was listening at a central place. So I, I, I just wanted to say all that by way of encouragement that, you know, you, you can, you know, if, uh, how to encourage people, uh, you know, let alone young people to come to a kind of a centered place and really turn down the noise yeah. and, and, and really quiet it down and, and be okay to be in a conversation in here and really look into your heart to really discover there without all of the noise and the pushing and pulling what, what it is that's important to you, you know? And, and, and for me, you're, you're, research in exposing this thing and looking in this thing is centered on this kind of core of what's important to you. You know, not something someone gave you, not an eye, not a direction somebody gave you, but like what really matters to you, what really happens. So I think it's, it it can be harder work and it's certainly seductive to be in these other Places where you adopt an identity that shares. Well, it the right was identity. funny. It was Just allure not...
0: by the second day because there was a little notification. So if somebody liked your stuff, I mean, there wasn't a lot of um, direct replies, but it was and like it pulled you cognitively back into that social media dopamine thing. Which I, since I left yeah. Twitter in July, I have. And it you know it was I was very sad for a while just because you you lost whatever idea of this community was whether or not it was a meaningful authentic community or not like you become sort of a social, social hermit right when you choose not to participate yeah. if you don't have um you know a small group of real friends then then it, it can be and that was an adjustment like all and and it was sort of tempting like to be like oh let me check the notification you know and in it and it was I could feel the game right because it was like how am I doing? Is it, did it, you know, and, and it's, that's not healthy, right? Like, I mean, I will admit it. I've been participated for two days, but it's not healthy. So I just like went, you know, by the end of the second day, I said, I thought to myself, you've made your point. You showed up. You, 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 you comported yourself in an honorable way and you put that energy into where it was and then, and then I deleted the account. And then it deleted probably the 300 comments that I had made over those two days, which was you know on the one hand kind of sad. And if people are looking for them, I didn't delete them because someone made me or because she deleted them. I literally understood that this energetically had a dark hold. Um, and you, you couldn't really just dabble in it. I had some people like, well, maybe you could just do use it like this. And I'm like, no, once you yeah. know what it is, it, you, you, um, it's very hard to justify staying in it because once you actually, the, the, the heaviness of what it actually is hits you. Um, you know, again, I'm, I'm not judging people who make different choices, but for me, once I realized what it actually was, You know, and some of this does feel somewhat esoteric. You know, you've got the you've got the high emerging technology, but there's also the the other stuff going on in the background. So, um, yeah, I I just deleted the whole thing. But it is tempting. I I get that. Like, I get that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, no. And like I was the last time I was tempted because, you know, look, today, having listened to the three hour talk you did yesterday, which arose out of our engagement with the Substack, we're different people. Yeah, I, I can I can see the whole thing differently, and and I can see it in ways that supports my central sense of self. Yeah, and because I can feel the loss of it that that participating on those platforms are it comes it's it, there's a much clearer view. So hopefully people take a little bit of a sense away that that the game of cognitive management and our agreement to play uh, peripherally uh, and to be peripherally, cognitively managed on social media sites might not be helpful, right? That, and, and that there's another way, you can still be in the world and be talking about the world, but if you're not gonna subject yourself to these playgrounds with these invisible rules in the background and purposes in the background, and then be treated in such a way that you're developing your familiarity and comfort with peripheral cognitive engagement, that, then, uh, then that would be helpful. And, and the uh, for for myself after I interacted on that stack uh, eventually uh, I she she like she just couldn't understand me again not about her but the author just couldn't understand because I was talking about life differently and she was like you you don't fit so she started calling me a troublemaker and she I, I saw a post where she promised don't worry those troublemakers aren't going to be here much longer. You had already left and deleted all your stuff. <laughs> and so, but I found it. I chaos agents, right? Isn't someone else called us a chaos it. agent? <laughs> and, and, and so I, and I said, don't worry. I've already uh, uh, unsubscribed to your uh, Substack. stack. Uh, I canceled my subscription because, you know, she was like, these are not from our community. Sorry, I've been a subscriber for over a year. I said, so don't worry. I'm on my way out. Good luck to y'all. You know, good night. And, and so then she came back in really heavy, like, well, wait a minute before you leave you said this and do, 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 do. And I said, Celia, I never said I don't like you. Cause she claimed you don't like me again, not about her, but it became such a dissonance between what she was representing and what I was representing that she just went and deleted me and all my comments on a stack. And it's this really <laughs> cool thing. Like if I go in now and I try to comment, it says you've been, uh, uh, Banned for the next hundred years, right? It says that. Like you can ban, like maybe you can ban somebody for a year. She banned me for the next one hundred years. I was like, wow. So now you go back and read it. Like your stuff's not there, my stuff's not there. And people must be like, what are we even looking at? But but I had gone into Twitter to do it. Like maybe Twitter's the place for yeah. adults. Maybe Twitter's the place where. Like really edgy conversation is taking place. But again, without this awareness that we developed from having engaged as friends, gone in to look at something, come out of it afterward, debriefed, and then you did your brilliant thing, stretching it out. And then I could do my thing coming from this kind of centered faith in life itself and match it up with the view you had. And and we're like, we're new people around it. It was a lesson. It was a
0: useful lesson. Yeah, Um,
1: for sure. And, sure. and I
0: would just say, like, I'll, I'll admit that this, the, the the social rules of online interaction, like, they're challenging, right? So I put out a lot of content. So I'm, I'm off of the, the social media feed things. I have my blog, you know, which for the most part doesn't get a lot of participation, like, in the comment section. And I have this channel, which has a little bit more comments. And, you know... I think I'm probably an unsatisfying, um, collaborator for people who are consuming my content for the most part. I don't really engage in the comments. I like them. Like I have to say like I do read them and I appreciate them, but I, I don't like like and heart and reply. I have been doing that a little bit more the last couple of days because there is a reciprocity that, but I, I was, I was probably people would consider me stingy that way. I, I, and, but then part of it is a, a beware of the beginning because the, as soon as you co- like and comment on some, then if you don't do it on all of them, then you look like you're playing favorites, right? And so it's and and I also have a lot of work to do. So if you if I engage in that way, then it is going to look like teacher's pet or da 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 or I'm using my my engagement as a currency, which isn't what I want either. And you know for a while, you know Jason had the discourse board up. And that's where I thought it was going to be a place that was more along like the central thinking, right approach, mm-hmm. like a deep dive with people who had a specific focus, mm-hmm. uh, more than a peripheral approach. Um, but because, and I think, again, people are so conditioned, there was really just a handful of people, you know, 10% of the participants on the board who were actively exploring new material and and engaging and most of the rest of the people were either absent or uh, responsive. It was a consumer model. It continued to be a, cons- a largely consumer model, even though we were hoping that it would shift. And I think we didn't have the, I didn't have the language for it then. Um, and, and I was hoping that if people, if these were people that knew me and they appreciated my work, that they, that they that my motivation, which was figuring out the thing, would also be their motivation. I didn't know it at the time. But then what I realized is I actually it's presumptuous for me to presume that I can affect someone else's motivation. And the truth was many of the people, I'm sure maybe they they continue to like me and they like my work, but what motivated me didn't motivate them. Doesn't make them a worse person, but I was trying to make them motivated like I was motivated and they just weren't, right? And I got frustrated and at that point I left, but these online engagements and this idea of using interaction, um, whether it's clicks or likes or replies, it's very difficult like because then like if you my motivation is running to the next thing a lot of people are stay in place and build community right build a community and I'm running and and so those are I mean I'm not saying they're incompatible but they're foundationally different so it's it's hard for me to do both build the community and run ahead and I don't know what the answer is you know I I really don't so I just wanted to point that out um Cause I'm not saying I'm great at being online either. You know, I, 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 I there's certainly ways that right. I could be better at it than I am.
1: Yeah. So I, I, I think I, I would say running, I, I think you have wings now. I, <laughs> I, I would say stay busy on yeah. that central thing that pulls you forward. You are generous in, you talked about being stingy with likes and stuff. You are generous in what you share about what it is you're able to see. I mean, you've got your blog, you've got your video channels, you've got your live streams, you've got your collaborations. Uh, on your blog, you're uh, you're looking around the labyrinth. You're letting people come in and do guest posts uh, that are aligned to looking at the what you can see with your big flight sensors in their own backyard. So I'd say you're being very generous. It, I don't, you know, and, and we don't need to equate effectiveness with popularity. Yeah. Like you know, like <laughs> it certainly like. Like, I, th- I think you're here, like, satisfy the goal of your life. Yeah. And I don't know if, uh, like, I don't know that for me, like, satisfy the goal of my life, that it's necessarily to cause a certain kerfuffle out there. But to, to really feel like I'm really honoring myself and what it is I see and what it is I feel called to say and what I feel called to explore. And then let that part of it, I'm, you know, I, I want to try, I'm just saying it now for both of us, try to let yeah. that part of it sort itself out. Yeah. Uh, but, but... Uh, and I feel really good about where your uh, continued research is going. Like as like as my friend, you you look healthy, engaged, busy, productive. I'm making quilts. Happy,
0: you know, you I planted some perennials. Making quilts. <laughs> you
1: know, I've I've got a quilt. Oh my god! You're like making presents. You know. So we're not bereft. We may not have these big you know like social communities and all the silly interaction that goes on them, but we have a lot. Yeah. We do. And I actually. I have to go. You have to
0: go. You have to go garden. Okay. Very well. So thank you for your time, Cliff. I appreciate it. And, um, like I said, it was a useful lesson in reflecting and sometimes you, you learn, you know, you know, challenging hurdles, but this is how we stretch and grow. And hopefully this perspective is helping others. So yeah, all right. right. Thanks everybody.